Hi guys, welcome to the Shrewsbury Biscuit podcast. I'm call- I don't want to call this a Christmas special, but it kind of is because it, these podcasts have got to remain sort of timeless because uh, you know, nobody wants to listen to a, a Christmas special in April, do they? You know what I mean? But I'm sat with Jane Pickworth and her fella, Tony Reid. How are you? All right? Good, thank you. Hello and Merry <laughs> Christmas! <laughs> yeah, we're gonna... Easter as well, then. Merry Easter. Happy Merry Easter. Easter. Um, happy summer. Happy holidays. Yeah. <laughs> um, this, this, I've been so excited about this um, this interview because um, uh, for people that, that may know, if they followed the biscuit from the beginning and everything that I've made, you know, I've kind of, uh, I've kind of uh, experimented with a bit of voice acting and stuff, you know. Um, there are things out there that, that can be heard of mine where I sounded like a bit of a, bit of a, just trying different voices and trying different things, whether they're good or whether they're bad. And Jane, obviously, uh, you did the, the the voices and the puppetry for the Doorstep Carols. Um, I did, yeah. Uh, video, and you've got a history of working CBBS and cartoons and, and right, puppetry yeah. and stuff. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah, all good fun. Uh, and Tony is a BAFTA winning composer for 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 me. Not not composer. I'm a producer. Producer. So, uh, sorry, yeah, my exact, bad. Exact producer for the, the BBC. So yeah, he's the boss. Yeah. Um, BAFTA winning as well. Uh, that's just like. I mean, I don't get starstruck anymore. Not really. Um, I used to. <laughs> but when you got, I can see the BAFTAs there behind you. That's that's some that's some serious heavy metal. That's yes. literally heavy metal there. <laughs> very lucky heavy in the brass. brass. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, how are we going to do this then? Because there's there's two stars in this room here. Um, I do I speak to you, Tony first. Let's let's do that, and then we'll come over to yes. you, Jane. Happy. That's cool. Where does where does it become uh, begin for you stepping into the world of TV and producing? Uh, right, so I get um, you get asked quite a lot. Uh, what's how you get into TV? Because actually, still it's still a really it's a very hard generic industry. question. If, forgive me for asking that. That's to right. no, it's, a, it's a really hard industry to get into, um, and there's a um, my my answer for it. Unfortunately, isn't that that interesting? Only because I. Um, just happened to say to someone at a party once, I want to get into TV, and uh, lo and behold, they happened to know someone else who knew someone else, and, and I, I, I just got in really through the back door like that. There's no... Invite me to one of these parties. <laughs> party time! <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not the greatest answer to give, a, give someone trying to get into the industry, because it's probably quite a lucky way of getting in. But, uh, yeah, so I got in through, through that. I worked on a show called Play Days, which um, people of a certain age may remember. I remember that. Um, I had... Uh, a, Peggy Patch, who's um, actually on our top of our Christmas You're forgetting tree. something very important. So yeah. Forgive me for butting in. Am I allowed to butt You're in? You're allowed to butt in as much you as you f- like. You, you need to tell them who gave you your first job, who you worked for. Oh, yeah, no, it wasn't, that, that wasn't my first job. That was, so, yeah, so I worked with Floella Benjamin. That's quite amazing. From, from Play School, which is, which is a show Play I used school? to watch when I was a kid. Yeah, mm. so, um, so I worked with Floella and Brian Kant. And uh, so that, I've always worked in preschool telly, so you end up sort of meeting your own, the stars of your childhood, actually. Um, so yeah, so just worked my way out through the ranks. Met Jane on uh, Tweenies when we were working on that together. Hey, hey we're the uh, Tweenies. Our, our eyes uh, crossed <laughs> over the over the, the, the mechanical head, and we found that we met each other on that. That's too. not true. Your desk was behind me. Oh, and played it. And I was aware. No, on Tweenies. On Tweenies. I was aware that this director was like looking at me. I was like. Looking at, <laughs> and here he is. Yes, there's a lot of first sight. So yes, we met on that, and then yes, so then we just just, just um, joined the BBC um, about twenty years ago. To they were just starting this these things called a digital channel, which and in those days no one really knew what a digital channel was, uh, and we had to decide what we we're going to call them. So we called one CBBC and one CBBS, and uh, and then I was just employed by the BBC to make loads of content basically to fill these these channels up and then over the years the, the, the CBBS particularly has really 
grown enormously to become a household favourite. It is. It is. Uh, it, it's one of those things that. Oh, I always joke about with the parents and stuff and the playgrounds and you know I've got a kid that's 16 and I've got a kid that's 6 you know so I've kind of lived for that generation of TV for quite a while you know what I mean but you always joke about like you find yourself singing those those songs you, you're listening to every day like you know the tweeny stuff and uh, Justin Fletcher stuff what's the story they get you don't they you, you know um, yeah something special and uh, you know all, the, all, the, all those those things you, you hear every day it's, it's one of those things but you are the guys behind it which is very very cool I love that um, you're the guys that brainwash us every day all day every day <laughs> that's exactly what we try to do brainwash, brainwash parents <laughs> watch it watch the TV <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, it's really nice to meet you guys. And um, so you, you step into uh, into this world of TV. Um, what is it like, sort of stepping into that from the offset? Is it is it a lot of is it, you know a lot of action? Is it a lot to keep up with? Is it is it or is it like you're building something new? You take your time, think about what you're going to make and make it. Or is it like a dead tight deadlines? Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, there's always tight deadlines. The TV making telly is so expensive, and so you never have that much time because time time is the most expensive bit people's time so um so yeah there's always it's always very well organized a well-oiled machine um so that you can make it as efficiently as possible um so yeah so you, you, you definitely you're always sort of up, feel like you're up against time there's always a sort of pressure uh, to get things done quite quickly and efficiently um but it's not it's a great industry to work in and there are sort of glamorous sites so as you say picking up awards at award ceremony that, that that's the, the other end of the scale that's the that's the kind of um, really glamorous side of it but on my very first job working on tv it was my job to empty the porter toilet that the producer had used that day uh, because we were in a location where there was no toilets nearby so so you go from that is one job to to kind of uh, being at an award ceremony so it's, it's uh, and then there's lots of things obviously in between all that but uh, yeah, it's it's not always as glamorous, especially when you're doing location stuff and you're stuck outside in the cold and the, 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 you've been in the rain all day. And, and, and you've got hundreds of um, cows running at you? Uh, yes, yeah, so Jane ribs me about this. So, we, so obviously health and safety is always a paramount Hoof, importance. and safety. Uh, paramount importance. But uh, when we were doing tweenies, um, I, wanted to sh- I was directing at that time and I wanted to do a shot where we had the tweenies um, in this country lane with a, with a herd of 200 cows coming down behind them. And so the, the, all the, the team, the crew were on the sort of side of the country lane and it just suddenly became quite scary when there's like that many um, creatures kind of getting so close to all your equipment and all your people and, and you're like, oh, they're going to get squashed any minute. But they didn't. No one got squashed on, on Toonies, thankfully. That would never no happen beef. now, though. That would never happen now. What, what happened then? 20 years ago, was it? It was more than that, wasn't it? But, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, I think sometimes, you, you know, you, the unexpected. You, you do things and you go, oh, okay, that maybe we rethink that next time. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, over the, over the years of interviewing people, you know, so I like to, I was explaining sort of off, off before we hit record that I like to speak to people behind the cameras anyway. With the USUC stuff, we've spoken to so many producers and creators and, um, you know, um, uh, um, we, uh, there was Richard Cook as well, who, who very similar was like the 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 um, the runner for the big big breakfast, and he went on to create Pop World and create these amazing things. And he started off as that, that like you you know sort of emptying the toilets, doing yeah. that sort of thing, and work their way up. But that is that traditional role 
somebody in sort yeah, of TV you, to... You can, a lot of people start as a runner. Um, and that's, that's a kind of entry-level role as a, as a runner. And really, your, your job as a runner is to, to, do all, to do all that stuff. You make people's tea, you get the biscuits, you... Tony, why do I not have a cup of tea in my hand? <laughs> exactly. Because you've got coffee and fizzy water. Yeah, so you, and you're always the first on set, you're always the last off set. You know, that's, it's one of those, those jobs where you just do everything. And, but, but what in children's telly... Because you have quite small teams, um, you end up you end up sort of being a bit of a cog, a bigger bit of a bigger cog in the in the mechanism, even even as a runner. So you, so that's why I think it's it's a great industry to get into as a, as a sort of entry level job because you you quickly move up the ranks and you end up doing stuff. Um, and actually, I, I got um, one one show I was working on play, actually on play days. I used to sit in in front of camera. And read lines and for lighting and things like that while they're waiting for the presenters to get makeup on. Um, and I hate being in front of the camera. I, I'm definitely a behind the camera person. Uh, me too, but I end up getting over. <laughs> Absolutely hate it. But I'm like Jane. Um, and but the the producer actually offered me a job. She went, oh, look, we're looking for a male producer, a male presenter. Um, would you be interested in doing? Because you're really good when you sit in front and you do our kind of our, our test pieces. And I said, absolutely no way. Thank you very much. No way. I want to be in front of that camera. <laughs> so. You got caught on stage once, didn't you? Tell them about that. Oh yeah, I do. so so Jane comes from a theatre background. I come from a TV background. Um, I uh, never, I didn't have any, any much experience in theatre, but I got asked to do to help out for for a week on a play days live show, and you had to turn a bit of set, um, and it was a weird piece of set that you had to turn, and basically I got on the wrong side of it, and I ended up on it's called stage. Revolve. Called a revolve. Mm. I ended up on stage, which is not the bit that you're supposed to be on when you. You have to sort of like pretend to be a lamp and so sort the of lights <laughs> came up on stage, and Tony was. Like, <laughs> There and it freaked him out so, big yeah, time. So, so that's, um, yeah, scared I, I of theatre. Because if you make a mistake in telly, you can kind of, unless it's live, you can kind of go back and do it again. <laughs> so. One chance, that's it. Um, I've been playing around with the idea of doing a bit of panto and stuff, maybe. New Year's. Oh no, you haven't. <laughs> oh yes, I have. Oh no. But uh, you know, one day maybe I don't know. I've never really done that. I mean, this, this is the weird thing, right? I did a Q and A in front of a full audience at a cinema a couple of weeks ago. No problem, no notes. Did it? Smash it out of the park. The prison, you know. I get in people's grill as a car- as a different character, and you know, I do that sort of stuff. But the idea of being on stage, the likes, you know, that's different, isn't it? You know, it's very different. And being someone from a theatre background, you probably appreciate that, right? Yeah, it depends what you get asked to do. I mean, yeah. I can touch on that when you come to talk to me because i have some very funny stories about live theater well we'll put a pin on that we'll, we'll, uh, we'll build R- that expectations that up there absolutely <laughs> so um stepping up the the, the 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 rungs of the ladder i guess um is there a, a, fir- a sort of a, a pivotal moment for you where you're given your own first sort of project to oversee the first big thing you get to look at yeah the the um the pivotal moment for me was actually it was a, it was a, a sad moment uh, in that we were I was working very closely with the producer and we were filming out this way actually. We were filming in um, Ludlow and um, one her husband, she got a phone call halfway through the shoot saying that her husband had fallen down the stairs and had quite a bad accident falling down the stairs at home. He was quite frail. Um, and so she had to go back to him and um, and asked me to then direct and, and produce for the rest of the shoot. And, be, and so that was my opportunity to kind of go from an assistant producer to producer and director, um, purely because because that happened. Uh, and then the company I was working for at the time, uh, they were making another show as well. And, and as a sort of, I think because I'd done quite well sort of taking the reins at that point and, and looking after the shoot, 
successfully they said look you know we, we, we really appreciate that we'd like to give you kind of uh, another gig to do so that so that was my sort of shoe in the door for, for directing and producing um, and uh, and so I managed to kind of get another gig that and then from that point I was, I was able to then um, move up the ranks sort of quite quickly then really I get Tony to do it. He, he coped all right in that first yeah. thing we gave him. Yeah. He survived. Yeah. So that, it was a, it was it was unfortunate for her husband, but obviously very fortunate for for me that I managed to get that opportunity. When it comes to like CBB and CBBC and the kind of factory that that thing is, I mean, I look at it from the outside um, as an adult, not as a six-year-old, or <laughs> whatever you know. And I look at it as as like this, just this machine. That's just constantly pumping out the new idea or these things. And, you know, you look at the credits afterwards and they're like, you see like a Canada, like Canadian studios thing. And you're thinking, wow, how did they bring these things in? How did they create the next best thing? And there must be like this, just this, do you have like a, a department of people who sit around a table and write ideas? I mean, how does yeah, that work? Well, that's sort of me. That's my, that's my team really uh, for, for, for the whole um, Beauty Children's age range. So naught to 12. Um, I have a, I look after the development team, and so we come up with new ideas basically for that that audience. Um, but the, the area I work in at the moment is purely animation, so we we, we come up with animated ideas. Um, but a big part of that job, as you've just alluded to, is actually finding partners and finance partners, yeah, yeah. and they could be from Canada, they could be from China, you know, it could be from anywhere. And so when we're building, we, we start when we when, when we start with the show, we start with the creative and what we want to do and how we how what the kind of gaps are, what the audience might need. Um, and then we think, well, okay, how are we going to pay for it? And uh, we want to offer best value for money for the license fee payer. So, um, so obviously, we want to try and keep the percentage that the BBC actually pays for the show as low as possible. And we go out internationally looking for for um, uh, finance partners and, and global partners, basically, to help pay for it because it's you know it's super expensive making animation, um, and it and it really helps if we can bring in some good partners. So we're, we're working on the show at the moment, which is uh, co-funded by um, a Chinese company called Tencent. Uh, but like, you know, previously we've been working with a Canadian company who's uh, who's been uh, co-financing uh, Love Monster. So yeah. Oh, okay. So these ideas can literally come from anywhere. Then ideas can come from anywhere, and and actually the ones that we find the most successful are the ones that really come from people's hearts. So uh, so I think sort of saying to someone, go and sit in a in a dark corner and come up with an idea is is probably not the most successful way. But if you say to someone, so what what is it that you feel passionate about? What is it that you love when you were a kid? Yeah, what yeah. Is it, what's the story that you want to tell? And I think that's that's where you start to get those gems and you start to get those shows that do really well. Jane? I have just remembered. Tell Alex how you came up with the idea of Space Pirates. Uh, where yeah, were so we you when show, you came And what was I... I <laughs> we did a show a number of years ago called Space Pirates. It was a really funny show. Um, and I don't, think you'd, I don't think it would ever get commissioned now because it was quite... At the time, it was kind of quite out there as, as an idea. Do you idea. remember that space pirate? No, it, it, really it was about I'm sure you can see it on a ship on space and na 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 space pirates. Yeah. It was so cool. So we got um, <laughs> so we uh, yes, I was sitting in the I was in the bath and I was just uh, thinking about. He was like, in the bath and... whilst I was listening to a pirate radio station <laughs> in the bedroom. Okay, so picture that. And, and, and that's just the idea for space pirates came to me, and, and then I took it to our, the development producer I was working with at the time, and between us, we we worked it up and, and got it commissioned. And actually, I ended up um, using, employing a, a radio, um, he was a news 
announcer actually, who was on the BBC uh, One breakfast show at the time, was Chris Moyles. I love Chris. Yeah. Who's who I base myself on? And, and, Chris, <laughs> and, so, and so Chris ended up playing uh, a lot of the, the stuff on the show. He really championed the show, so we got, it became quite well known. They did a the theme I'm tune. I didn't know about it. With um, Ghostbusters theme tune, didn't they? They did a brilliant. they did a kind of so weird cool. mix and. Yeah, so that was, but as I say, it was, it was quite a random place. show. Cause we had to hear the theme. We had all sorts of guests on it. It was a, it was a music show, so, and, and so you had three different musical elements within an episode. Some were um, videos, some were um, live um, guests, and actually so we had McFly on, we had the, the Cheeky Girls on. Oh, you liked that episode, didn't you? Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so we had all sorts of weird and wonderful um, guests and, um, and videos that we used to use on it. But, yeah. I'm trying to find it now. But I realise I'm in airplane mode, so I, I can't like, believe you missed that one. I yeah, suppose it's a funny show. Yeah, it, was quite a while ago, it, it probably looks very dated now, I'd imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, quite it was okay. So this is before I had my kids. So this this is why, like, 2007. Um, no, I had my kids. I don't understand yeah, exactly why that's here. Was it CBBC or CBBS? It was just a blur. Was it CBBC or CBBS? It was on CBBS. Yeah. Why didn't I see this? I don't You'd know. love it. It's very funny. You'd love it. It's right up your street. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> na, 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 na. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, it's, you know, I'll probably see it and I'll be like, oh, it'll probably do weird things to me. Do you know what I mean? You know, nostalgia, you haven't seen anything for years. I'm working on the radio doing the naughty stuff. Sometimes I'll find a, a song that I haven't heard since like, school and I'll be like, oh, uh, <laughs> do weird things to me. Like, um, yes, we'll see. But um, no, I, I like that you've, you, you, you've come up with ideas and I love that you use Chris Miles as well because I love that guy. Zingzillas yeah. was a good one for music though, wasn't Sing it? Zingzillas, yeah. yeah. Yes, I know that one. Yeah, we did that one. Yeah. We did Zingzillas on the so um yeah, we wanted to do a show that was introduced different types of music to the audience and actually saw the, and then allowed the audience to see real instruments being played. And so we, we had some great guests on that as well. I used to love that one. The the uh, the, the, the the music and yeah. the, you know because you'd always have, at the end you'd always bring on a, a, a guest or someone yes, that's right. yeah. so be, there's often yeah you had Brian and, May on didn't you yeah we tried to get Brian May we couldn't who did we have we had the darkness on Leo um, I've forgotten her name Leo the um, deaf percussionist oh um, um, she's amazing Leo Klein no, uh, yes we had Leo Klein on it Leo yeah, but she's not deaf sorry that's a different you're thinking of someone else <laughs> but uh, yeah Leo Klein on it um, sorry if you're listening to it She's like, cut it out, cut it out, cut it out. We got really good. And the, the, the same musicians um, who did the music for things, Ellis did the music, the same music for, uh, did music for um, Space Pirates, uh, actually, and they also did the music for Go Jetters. And Go Jetters, everyone seems to um, talk a lot about the music on that, that show, and it's really great kind of disco. Earworms, aren't they? Earworms. And, and Chris. Um, Chris Banks and, and Wag, his, his kind of musical partner, uh, they, they go by the, um, the, the company's called Banks and Wags, and they, they are uh, really fantastic musicians, um, and they do some fantastic work for us. Um, and I think Chris had actually, I think he was played keyboards for various bands, including McFly and Busted and all sorts of things. Amazing. They come from sort of, kind of pop background, so they, they write some good tunes. He's really cool. He did a little jingle for <coughs> me. We were filming yeah. a promo, and... Uh, Tony just said, oh, Chris, can you just do us a little jingle? And he did. Yeah, just yeah. Nice when people do stuff. I've got a guy that does voices for me, Moose Cooper, shout out to Moose. Um, and he, he like, I'll be like, I need this thing and I'm not quite sure how it'll go. And he'll be like, okay. And then like a day later, he'll send me this thing and it'll be amazing. Like, I, I was like, I used to, I do this thing on the radio called The Poll. Um, it's just like, I get people to vote between a particular song or something. And he was like, 
here is the pole, the the only cure for sadness, you know? <laughs> and I'd be like, well, that's genius, you know? Because they were casting um, at the moment. So that, keep doing the this is your audition. <laughs> this is You're my audition. I've got to say that. And I was very conscious about this. I'm not here like peacocking going, oh my God, look at all these voices. Get me into the world you of TV. Do you know what I mean? You're in an audition right now. <laughs> Don't well, I think life is an audition though. I think everything oh, that I, totally. I create is, 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 is kind of like me sort of selling myself. I had a bad day on the radio last night. Um, Sorry to hear that. My, no, no, it's right. My my, um, my computer sort of like failed. Like it wouldn't, the sound wouldn't come through, so I couldn't hear what was coming through my through the radio. So I, I it took me. I was twenty minutes late starting my show. It, yeah, yeah, it was a nightmare. Twenty minutes starting my show, and then my kid was is poorly. He's just been given an inhaler. He's got a bad cough. My wife just had a COVID jab, so she was like under the weather. She was like, oh. so I was like, do you know what? I'm going to kill the show an hour early. <laughs> so, and you do things like this, and, and then you think the next day, like, how has that affected me? What if like somebody was listening to that show then, and we're like, this guy's an idiot. I'm not going to ever give him work. Do you know what I mean, like these, these these are the things that go around in your head. But you got to have your bad days, and I feel like you just got to bounce back and have good days. Like today. I'm feeling great today, so you know. It's great. And you never know when you're gonna, you know, you never know when you're gonna meet someone or, or say something that, that just sparks the next thing. There you can say, you know, so you always mm. nice to say life is it's a bit of an audition. I'm very aware as well. That this, 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 you know, I've only been doing it sort of seven, eight months. The radio. This is my this is my time to learn to press the buttons properly and to suck a little bit, you know, just to be, be bad and, you know, uh, and learn the trade. Um, what I was going to ask was obviously CBBS and CBBC, uh, they make different types of TV shows. Obviously they make the cartoons, the animated stuff and they make the, the, the Zingzillas was like all puppetry and yeah. live, almost on stage kind of stuff. Live what, action. Live action. There you go. Um, What's the hardest? Obviously, animation. You go away, you send away animation. But what do you prefer to work on? Oh well, um, so I've, my experience is across all the, the genres, really. Um, uh, but I'm I'm looking specifically after animation at the moment, but which I really enjoy. Uh, but it's a very it's a very long technical process. Uh, so sometimes I think it's I, I, it's quite nice to do the live action stuff, which tends to be a little bit shorter, and you, you kind of get to it a bit quicker. Um, but the, I think probably one of the things I'm most proud of is we used to do. Um, I, I used to sorry, I used to do, we still continue to do it as a, as a department. But I used to look after the um, live shows for the Christmas show, and the we introduced uh, ballet to the CBBS audience, and we introduced uh, we introduced Shakespeare as well. So we, there's a couple of we did a we did the first Shakespeare for. Um, the CBBS audience, and I was really, I really proud shows. of that, and that because that, that just That's really. That's what you got an award for, yeah, one yeah, of them. yeah. We got an award for that, and and um, it, it just really went down so well, and we we got that. I think we got that really right, and so I was very proud of that. So yeah, so like, those kind of theatrical experiences. I having said, I don't, I don't really. I do TV and not theatre. I actually really enjoy those doing those kind of theatrical experiences. I've oh, got a very broad range. But of to skills. understand Shakespeare, you use the comic. So, yeah, yeah, so so I'm I'm not. That's you know, good. I, this is a good idea. I'm, I'm okay. not. Um, I'm not a big Shakespeare buff at all. In, in probably the complete opposite. And and yet the producer who I was working with was. And actually, we made a really good pairing because she had a lot of assumed knowledge that I didn't have. And wow. so for so I was more like the child basically. And I thought, so I just said to her, look, if I don't understand this, there's no way a six-year-old's going to understand it or a four-year-old's going to understand it. And so I, I, my start point was to look at kind of literature that was aimed at the audience first so I could get a sense in my head of how we should be presenting it, really. And I think that was a, that was a, it was a good balancing act because the, the, so this other producer who, who I was working with, she was super good at knowing exactly what we had to do to make it right, but I was really good at 
making it so our audience would understand it and so between us we kind of came up with something that really worked well I think uh, Jane just handed me a graphic novel novel yes. of uh, The Midsummer Night's Dream which is no I think that's brilliant it's very clever actually yeah. because like you said you're trying to make it palatable for children you know to simple it down a little yeah. bit and, that, that's that's... and actually it's it's quite if you're not familiar with Shakespeare and, and the, type, the the use of the language and the dialogue it, it's it's actually really quite difficult um, to, to get your head into that space and so that was just like a quick way of getting into it and understanding it. The live shows always look a bit they look like oh, very well organised chaos to me they they're brilliant complete, they are well organised chaos because the, the Christmas show in particular um, we for various reasons we only have six days and that includes rehearsals so really you're putting on a massive all singing all dancing technical show uh, in, in six days which is crazy if you say that to any theatre person they, they you know when we first started doing it they, they said this, you really can't do this there's no way you can get that done in time but we we managed to pull it off and it and it works we're into pattern of it now we know exactly what happens and what happens on every one of those days and it's it's scheduled to within an inch of its life on all the rehearsals you know so um, it's good and it's, and it's grown over the years it's got better and better I, I mean, I was I'm always looking for like the characters. Where's Cook and Lion going to come in? Where are they going? <laughs> I love them guys. They're I'm so. With them at the moment, aren't you? Uh, I'm working something? with Richard, who plays Lion, um, and he's uh, he's doing voice for us on a on a new animation. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, oh, we we love the we love that. They're funny. <laughs> they are very funny. <laughs> it was one of the first shows that that Timmy sort of learned how to do the. Um, walk the plank walk the plank <laughs> all them so, sort of things that's oh, great <laughs> so I came up with a concept for um, Swashbuckle really uh, and then as, as a kind of I really wanted to do a um, a physical game show for the uh, preschool audience and I've never seen I've not seen that it's, you know, when, you, when you're looking for new ideas you're really looking for kind of gaps stuff that hasn't been done before and I thought we've done those kind of um, gungy physical game show things for older kids, but no, never for, for the sort of preschool audience. So the notion of having that was um, was where we started. And then uh, our, one of our development producers I was working with, uh, we added that, uh, helped us add that kind of pirate layer. Then we decided to do it with the, the, the kind of soft plate vibe to it as well so yeah it's all it's, it's not just one person's idea but it was the, the kind of seed of the idea it does remind me of like a younger version of like we had fun house when i was a kid with yeah. pat sharp like oh, yeah but yeah <laughs> i was scared of the chicken at the end yeah <laughs> it's good shows i think it was season eight now or something so it made loads of them mm. it's really good when they changed the captain now i was kind of like hold on oh no 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 i don't like change yeah. <laughs> that's wrong, hats off it? to the to the lady that does it now but like the uh, change. <laughs> yeah, that's always the problem when you're, you know, continuity guys but i suppose you know, these things happen don't they in yeah. tv um let's move on to you now jane you've been sat there very Hi. patiently sort of um <laughs> and i don't mean to move just swiftly away from your amazing career and your achievements yeah. fine, fine. I'm just like... anyway <laughs> Where do you start as a as a as a performer as as somebody who works with with theatre and, and puppetry and voices? Where does this begin for you? Well, it started literally when I started to talk. Apparently, I said to my mum, "I want to work with the Muppets." <laughs> That's what I said. Um, I started talking really young. Apparently, um, literally, who's that? What's that? Where's that? And my mum's friend, who had a baby the same age as me, Mark, she said, "Who's that in the other room?" And she said, "That's Jane." Apparently I did start talking early, so it was obviously meant to be. Um, I absolutely loved television as a kid. was obsessed with Rainbow and all the puppets, but I would watch it in a different kind of way. I would just be so fascinated by the whole thing, the whole everything of it. It wasn't just a kid watch it. It was just, it's like I knew that that's what I wanted to do. Um, and then I started acting when I was like nine. 
I belonged to the North London Youth Theatre Group in Barnet, High Barnet in London. And there I, I started doing the musicals like Oliver, Bugs Moan, Sweeney Todd, The Wizard of Oz, all those kinds nice. of things. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Because there's Get Your Wiggle On here, isn't there? There's yeah, there is, yeah. Various... Which I've yet to be on the show. I've, I've interviewed them a couple of times, but to properly be on the show. Yeah. So that's how I started, basically, is, is amateur theatre. And um, I absolutely loved it. It was just the best thing ever. You know, I didn't want to be at school doing stuff. I wanted to be performing and just oh, playing nice. with puppets and doing voices. and um, So, yeah, I started mimicking um, adverts. And one of the most famous ones, do you remember in the cinema? Beware, these are <laughs> operating in this area. Yeah. So I was a kid, do you remember that? But this snakes. And I was like, oh, I want to do that voice. So I, so I practised it and was able to... Beware, thieves are operating in this area. Love it, love it. I'm all not Yeah, and just like adverts. Do you remember like the trio advert and things like that? I would just repeat, just, just mimic it and just... Donald Duck. Oh, yeah. I taught myself how to do Donald Duck as a kid. Yeah? I sat in the bath for literally two hours <laughs> and I made myself learn how to do Donald Duck. Really? I would not get out of that bath until I could do... Like that. I love it. I love it. But then as I, I got older, I'd lost two teeth. My baby teeth fell out. Oh, right. So, so it altered the sound of it. I couldn't oh, do it right, as well. So you have to which, teach yourself yeah. again. Well, no, I can't. I, it, it's still not perfect. Mm. But yeah, that's... I'm obsessed with accents. I love accents. Wherever it is in the world. You know, I think accents are just fantastic. They're very hard to do. They are very hard to do. Um... But yeah, I love dialogue. I love love, love conversation. I love that. What's, um, what's your favourite accent that you can do? Um, well, my my family from Cork, and I have this really soft spoken ang- accent, and it's not like right from Dublin. You know, they got the <laughs> really Dublin accent. You know, I'm from Dublin. You know, they got this really nice soft and spoken accent. It's very quite quick, and the way they talk it. But the, the, the ladies sound amazing when they when they talk like yeah, it's amazing. I love it. Um, so I love that accent. Um, I like the New York accent or that Jersey accent. Sopranos for me. I love, love, because I know that's like New Jersey, but they've still got that, you know, that real strong gruff. I love that so yeah. much. doesn't matter who I'm talking to. Um, I, I love listening to that sort of accent. So that, that kind of my, my You've color. got a good rich voice for that. Kind of. This is the thing, right? Because I never really wanted to perform, never wanted to do theatre or acting or anything like that. And I kind of still don't really. The voice acting, yes, but I, I don't really fancy being in front of camera too much. The good thing about voice acting is that you can literally let rip and not worry about what you look like. So with a voice, you yeah. can just really go for it. And yeah, yeah. And that's what that's what I liked about that is that I can be, I can be somebody else down a microphone. You yeah. know, and I love that. I've got an opportunity with Aunt McGinley, who does on the left side as a it's um like a a, a, a sports show. Yeah. And he'd be like, you'd be, you know, get me to do different accents and impressions of footballers and stuff. And I thought that was amazing. And I, I tried it and he was like, that was really good. And I was like, no, no way. I can't believe it. You know, I didn't think it would be any good, but, you know. Um, so you started doing, like, these so, impressions as a kid. I don't talk about me. It's uh, talk about you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just about me. around interviewing the interview. Oh. Um, yeah, so that's what I knew that I wanted to do voices, but... As a kid, you don't really know how to get into doing stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So I carried on with it with the acting stuff, 
Um, didn't want to be at school. I thought, no, I want to work in television. Um, I was a massive fan of Rainbow. All right, yeah. Zippy. So, Zippy. Um, and oh, I did end up meeting Zippy, Bungle and George. Really? Rod, Jane and Freddie, which absolutely blew my mind. Wow. That was my first tour. Um, Rainbow, the live stage show. Wow. And that was mad. But going back, sorry, I always drift off, off the path. You have to get me back on the yeah, path. Sorry, sorry. Um, so when I left school... I didn't want to do A-levels. So it was the first year that they introduced the BTEC Performing Arts course. Oh, wow. That was, okay. that was like born in when, when I left school. So I was like one of the first people to, to do that course. Wow. It was amazing. So I left school, went and did the performing arts, and I did acting, singing, dance, lighting and sound. Basically, it's a taster of everything in the industry. So what that then does is then you can then decide what, what you like, what, what your flavour is sort of thing. But the problem is, I kind of liked everything, which back then kind of wasn't heard of. It was kind of like just to see which direction you were going to go in, yeah. Us and them, like yeah. the crew, yeah. Oh, it was, really? It was very, very separated, wasn't it? It was, it, well, I don't know if you experienced that, but certainly in theatre, it was us and them. So it was unheard of to want to go into acting and work backstage, sort of thing, because it looked like you were kind of like a mm. wannabe. But the thing is, I genuinely love the whole thing absolutely loved it but i also I, at the same time i always appreciate like a an actor that will go out and do like um ben affleck went and did some directing amazing stuff yeah. like clint eastwood is just as good a director as he is an actor like there's these amazing people that do pay attention to what goes on backstage that go on to do great things you know i think it it's a really important i'm not saying that everyone should do everything but i think it really helps make a good production mm. if you are knowledgeable about all the different sort of areas i'm not saying it's a, it's a necessity but because i have been very lucky and worked in quite a lot of areas when i'm like say for example doing a voice recording i'm aware of what the the production crew have you know what they're up against in terms of like time editing like you can't go in there and sort of be mucking about you know you're booked for an hour you've got to focus do you do your job because time is money yeah. but sometimes obviously you get s some actors that that kind of joke about and and they're not aware and that's okay because how would they know you know they would have not worked on the other side mm. so for me sometimes it makes it a little bit stressful for me so if i'm in a recording studio i'm like thinking are we gonna get this done are we gonna overrun it's gonna be really expensive it, it can be a bit of a nightmare because i'm so aware of the other side so when i go in and perform i've kind of got the other Go in, nail it, get out. Yeah. Yeah. It, but, but also, like, so if something's overrunning, which it does, because sometimes, you know, directors take longer, whatever, or there could be, like, a technical issue which you experienced last night when you were yeah. doing your thing. It happens. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But my brain suddenly switches to the production side of it, thinking, oh, no, that's going to... Uh, so, so it can be quite stressful for me sometimes, knowing too much. Mm. And I'm such a perfectionist as well. So it's a lot of that's down to the direction as well, though, isn't it? I mean, if you've got good direction, I mean, I did yeah. a, I did a voice part for um, uh, um, uh, Treasure Island, and they wanted a, they wanted a, a pirate, but they were like, "Here's your lines, crack on, send, do it." And I was just like, "Now, if I was going to do a, a pirate, you know, 
in my mind, I would play it different. I wouldn't go for the old, oh, we're a pirate. I'd be like, right. probably do a Scouse accent, you know, like, hey, mate, you know, welcome to the ship. I like, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'd, I'd play it a little bit different, but I couldn't do that and risk it not being used. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So a bit of direction would have been great for that. <laughs> was that for an audition or for the actual? No, that was for the role. I threw, oh, right, I threw yeah. an audition. To get the incognito thing with Ash Wilding, big shout out to him. I can't do the main role now, so I've given it to somebody else. But I read... Um, the first page of Watchmen, uh, which is a very violent comic book. <laughs> but for each each square, I did a different accent and sent them to him, uh, a different voice for each bit. And it's Rorschach talking about um, how there's like blood dripping down the curb of the, <laughs> on the, on the thing. And I, I did it like in different accents. And he was like, yes, come on board, you know, because Brilliant. that's just what I like. I like to challenge myself, do things differently. But yeah. you need that direction. If you want to go in there and nail it, get out, you need Absolutely. your director to go, here's your lines. Why don't you do it as if, you know, you're you're feeling really happy and you're really excited. It's Christmas. Imagine it's Christmas morning and you've just woken up. Go, you know? Yeah. That's what you need, I guess. Yeah, it it, it, it depends. I mean, like, the, the role that I'm playing now, Eager Beaver, on mm. the Love Monster, um, <laughs> I, was, I auditioned for it and all I was given was probably about three things, that Eager Beaver was a beaver. Um, she lived in a, in a forest... And she's best. She, her cousin is fluffiest, tiniest bunny, who's, who's voiced by Sarah Hadland. So that's all I knew for that character. Oh, and she lived. And she's Canadian. So I'm like, oh, okay. So I went away, and I literally. Um, do you ah, research the role? Research. That's the word. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know what's the word there. So now that research beavers the as you do. So yeah. I, was, I was like looking at pictures of beavers, thinking, okay, so they've got sticky out teeth. So they're going to talk with a bit of a lisp, perhaps. Mm. So they're gonna talk like that, and and then they're Canadian. So so do we do a lisp or no lisp? So I spent literally a whole day figuring out different beaver voices because you just don't know what 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 they want. The producers want. So it's down to if you're auditioning, you've got to come up with some pretty you know cool thing. But it's not just the voice. You've got to be able to sustain the voice. Yeah, because it, it's all very well someone saying, oh yeah, you know. Yeah, I can do Bart Simpson. Yeah, do the Broke Man. Sorry, I'm warmed up. That's <laughs> but can you actually read an entire script yeah. and do a full episode and sing in the yeah, voice? Singing, isn't it? It's singing. So it's you've got to think about all those things as well. Um, so when you're coming up with an idea for a voice, you've got to actually write. Think, okay, so what what they're going to ask me to do in future episodes? Can I actually do that voice? And does it feel okay to do that voice? Because, like, if I was to do the... I'm doing that. Beware, thieves. If I was to continue to do that voice, it, I'd, I'd ruin my voice, probably the whole mm. script. Um, so with the beaver, I was... I kind of made her my own. It was... I thought to myself, right, okay, diversity. What about if, the, if, if she lives sort of on the border of Canada and America? Big shout out to Tom Bruno there. He lives uh, in Vermont shout there. shout out, yo. Um, so I thought, yeah, there's no reason why... Because if you think about it, accents, they've got to change at some point, haven't they, between counties and countries. Mm. Yeah. There's got to be a switch. So I thought, right, I'm going to kind of make it my own and I'm going to sort of make the accent comfortable for me to do yeah. and just see how they, how they take it. And they loved it. 
I love so, it. I love that. Yeah. I, I think I'd be definitely to get you on, on Yusuk, speak to Tom Bruno then, because he, he can literally spit over the border. He's there in Vermont. So I'm almost like, hey, Tom Bruno, hey, welcome to Canada. Hey, <laughs> welcome to tap a tree into a, a tap into a, a tap, a tap, a tap into a tree. A maple syrup. Uh, um, that's interesting, though, that you, you, you kind of got this character. You didn't have much to go on, so you made it your own. I think that's kind of beautiful. Yeah. Why not? You know, that's what brings the characters to life, though, isn't it? I think, when they absolutely, yeah. If you, I mean, I would never, ever, ever audition for something that I didn't feel that I felt comfortable with. Yeah, yeah. You've really got to love the character. Well, that I mean, it depends. Some some actors kind of take whatever, whatever, because yeah. they have to, because it's a. But luckily, you know, Tony works, so I can, and because I'm a full time mum. I can kind of pick and choose what I do. I don't want to be too available because I'm a mum at the moment. Um, so this is brilliant um, that I can just, you know, focus on this one one character. And I've just recorded quite a fun episode called Elders Away Day. And this will be coming up in the new year. And basically, Eager Beaver takes over. She becomes the Council of Cuteness. So she's like the leader for the day. And um, she gets them doing all kinds of funny things. I'm not going to give too much away because this is coming out in the new year. There's spoilers and all that, spoilers, yeah. Spoilers, no spoilers. So that's really good. That was that was fantastic, that script for me, because uh, there was a lot of... It was a tricky one, that, though, wasn't it? Because that, in, that, in that episode, she's being the leader. She's essentially bossing everyone around, and then it all goes a bit wrong. Um, but the, the note from the director was, oh, we don't want it to be too bossy. So actually, from an acting point of view, it's actually quite complex. You have to sort of try and... Be bossy, but without sounding bossy, if that makes sense. So, mm. Yeah. There's, there's, there's it's quite more challenging. To it. There's more to it than you yeah. would think. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of thought that goes into each line, basically, because you kind of... Because you, you don't record it all together as well. You don't get the cast all together. You, you go in for your session. Um, so you've got to imagine what's going on. So you haven't got other people to bounce off with, which is what I really like. So when we were working on the tweens, oh, yeah. All the tweenies, we they did the voice record together because it was a, they were also animatronic heads, so they did the voice record. Mm. But everybody was together around a mic, so they could bounce off each other. And with the singing, it was all together, completely different. But with Love Monster, we go in on our own, and we have to be ah, deliver these amazing, like excitable lines, and imagine that you're talking to someone else without sometimes without visuals as well. So it's quite a challenge as an actor. To, to, to muster up that, that you know, that, I mean, I love it, but I think it's wonderful. So to get to get to that point, I spend quite a few hours warming up before the job. Just running around the house, Macaulay Culkin style. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, yeah, like that. Um, no, I do, mummy made me mash my M&Ms. Uh, lots of vocal warm-ups. <laughs> nice. Because if you think about it, uh, the, the, the voice of the, of the beaver, let me just get a bit of script here, because um, I'm... <laughs> You're a beaver, and you're listening to CBeebies Radio on BBC Sounds. I mean, I haven't warmed up there, but you can hear it's like quite a push. It's got to it be out. perfect. It's got to be perfect. It's got to be it? perfect. Yeah. So you do need to spend a long time warming your voice up to to get that clarity, to get that energy, to get that. Um, I had a bit of a bad, bad experience on a, a last couple of um, recordings. No one knew about it. Only we knew about it. But. Um, it was the day the Duke passed, um, which was... That was October, oh, wasn't yeah, it? Oh, yeah, that was in the summer, wasn't so, it? Yeah, summer, yeah, yeah, summer. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, Duke. Um, <laughs> so we were driving through London, and I was about to do some recording, and Poppy, we had Poppy, our dog, with us, and we were just driving past Harrods, and all of a sudden the, 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 the signs came on that the Duke had, had passed. So it was... I was on my way... So I was like, oh, 
and all of a sudden all the traffic stopped and you know it was all a bit strange and stressful am I going to get to my voice recording we were, late anyway, we? we were a bit late and then suddenly Poppy decided to throw up all over me oh, in the car no. <laughs> so I'm like oh my god so it was like it was quite crazy so we'd had this news that London had kind of gone come to a standstill <laughs> I'm due to start recording the dog's just gone <laughs> yeah and I'm covered in dog puke it was like, oh, my goodness. the glamour of telly. The glamour of telly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I turned up at my session probably stinking. Luckily, we had to wear masks, so the sound technically yeah. froze. No one smelt it. But, um, yeah. And then... That was quite fun. So, yeah, I had to turn up, like... Um, those days, those days, I feel like... We all have bad days, but when they start bad like that, you kind of the only way is up. Yeah, the <laughs> only way is up. Absolutely. Um, and the last session of the recording that I did, it overran, which was fine. But had it have overrun another 20 minutes or so, I decided to get a sick bug, literally. We wrapped, we finished the recording, got back in the car, and for three and a half hours, I was vomiting on the way home back oh, from London no. to Shrewsbury so what I'm trying to say there is that had I overrun 20 minutes more I'd have been in the in the voice box yeah. <laughs> it was a paint in the walls yeah, yeah. But I started to feel a bit dodgy like during the session and I'm like recording Eager Beaver uh, I'm, like, I'm not feeling too good here but I'm, I'm high energy being a beaver thinking time is money time is money got it. Mm. did it did it but no one else would know that but yeah, it's quite challenging. And this is the thing. This is this is why I like to speak to like people like yourselves that are the stars, and then the people behind the cameras, like you, Tony, because people just don't know. They don't understand it. And you know, we've spoken to some. I made some. I made some amazing friends. I'm very, very uh, privileged to say I'm friends with Charlie Adler, who is who is Starscream. Yay, big shout out to Charlie. Charlie's amazing. He was he was in the 1986 Paddington Bear with Tim Curry. He was uh, cow and, and cow and chicken, and um, he was uh, in. Uh, our real monsters you know he's Ickis from our real monsters I love that um, but I love these are my heroes but as well there are people that make these things with their hands and they deserve as much appreciation because that empathy of understanding how things are made and understanding of that it goes a long way Absolutely. it really does go a long way everybody in the production is important yeah right down from from the runner right up to the to the big series producer mm. exec producer they are all important without those people doesn't get made. It's, it's funny, you know. Um, I don't think people really, you know, even even what what we're doing today in, in terms of the podcast, you know, you don't don't people don't appreciate all the, the work that goes in behind it, and the the uh, and I think one thing that always struck me when we were doing when we were doing sort of kids shows is that um, the amount of times someone said to me, "Oh, you have a script? I thought you just made it up." And I, no, <laughs> that's not how the world up. works, son. Because I think they think, they think they think because it's for kids, you know, yeah, for yeah. young kids, that you you don't have to have stuff like that. You don't have to have all those those kind of component parts. Uh, even more so, really. I mean, I've spoken to to, to to writers and stuff. When it comes to kids TV stuff, you've got to be very careful with what you put in there be because what you say and how you say it. Taking out context ridiculously at yeah, times, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Like you wouldn't be able to come on and, and say hello, mums and dads, boys and girls, things like that. You just kind yeah. of have to word it differently yeah, nowadays yeah. to to include everyone Everybody, and when yeah. you're being interviewed thank goodness this is being edited but like if you were doing a live radio show which i have done before the stress <laughs> thinking that you might say something not right you get one chance and it's live that's scary especially when it's the bbc you know um, oh yeah absolutely um i mean no, 
if, if BBC Shropshire or BBC offered me a job, I'd take it. You know what I mean? But like, I feel like I would, I'm never going to be there. There's people that train for years for the whole entire life to work with the BBC, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I'm not there yet. But I mean, like, you know, you've got to be careful. They are the BBC at the end of the day, you know, and, there's a responsibility that comes with it and yeah that you um uh, you have to be to make sure that you're you're um just being appropriate to what the what the bbc's values are uh, all the time so you just have that in the back of your mind <laughs> but just to let you guys know that there is a dog in the background it's cute poppy she's allowed dogs are welcome <laughs> on the biscuit poppy the yorkie poo um have you guys ever made made any sort of mistakes that you've had to sort of reel back on that you that you you, you remember um I know which one you're thinking of you go first well the, yeah i mean you do you make the you you do stuff you make decisions on things and you think um and then actually i think taste taste change <laughs> and things change over the years as well so decisions you make you might have made 20 years ago kind of won't, won't hold up now so you have to be quite quite careful uh, but I think probably this this wasn't specifically me but probably the one of the, the biggest newsworthy um, mistakes I think that we made on tweenies was that we um, we had uh, one of the, um, the the chap who does uh, the voice of Milo does a great impression of uh, Jimmy Savile. Big shout out to Bob Golding. So, <laughs> so and they were doing a, we were doing like a disco episode of um, of Tweenies, and so he put on this kind of Jimmy Savile voice, which was fine in two thousand one. Um, but, but then cut, then. cut to a number of years later, and we're sat and actually we're either here or our old. We house. were having breakfast. And we were, <laughs> we were watching. Children. We were watching telly, and they they showed a rerun of Tweenies, and they had this. Um, Jimmy Savile impression going off on it, and uh, Jane said, "Surely you can't do that now because this is obviously post all the all, all the yeah, horrific yeah. Uh, news that came out about him and his life." Um, and so I got straight onto the blower to our, our compliance team. Blower is the phone for um, anyone who doesn't know. And I, said, I think we might have a problem, and sure enough, within minutes the whole thing exploded into um, quite a big news piece. I think the sun picked up on it, and uh, yeah, and it, you just, because you just I say that 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 show was made and complied. It, before all that happened and then it just, just imagine how it gets twisted though little like, did you know Milo <laughs> was a sympathizer for <laughs> so it's exactly that so, and like, oh, okay so they, they pulled the next so, it was supposed to be shown a bit later on in yeah, the day wasn't so it we, they had to pull it we pulled the show the and and, um, uh, and it, was, it won't be shown again but the um but yes, so sometimes unfortunate things like that happen sometimes the unfortunate you know when we were doing go Jess, it's one of the biggest sort of things that the considerations for us was um we were, we were trying to do global themes and sometimes those global themes are things like weather or and, and the things like the natural disasters you know a, a, a mudslide or an earthquake or things like that mm-hmm. and um, you can almost it's, it's always sort of sods law that the day that that goes out on uh, is due to transmit there's been some disasters disaster in the world. Yeah. And so you, you need to be sensitive to that so, so we're always sort of shifting the the order in which we transmit those those shows to make sure that it's it's not insensitive and we're careful with the kind of content we do but but you want to do those sort of they, they are they are um, things that happen in the world that you want to educate kids around, and, and so you just got to choose. I imagine get, getting around. things right as well culturally. I mean, like I remember I went to Cosford, and um, my wife is from Colombia, right? And they'd spelt on oh, this map of South America in a museum, and they spelt Colombia with a U. And I was like, hmm, that's really bad. So we wrote to them, and we were like, you need to, you need to fix that. Like, and they did, to be fair. But they didn't check it. There's been a few occasions where there's been some spelling mistakes on kids, like. But this was a huge map. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> right in front of people, it's amazing. 
it's at the end of the day that it, there is it's human beings making these things and, and, and there's always an element of human error, yeah, human error at, yeah. at times and so you, you make your best judgments but yeah sometimes things slip the net and you, you kind of hope that yeah, these things happen I remember the topic. the Justin Fletcher thing with something special I think he was something to do with sign language and he'd sound, sounded a, he signed a, a swear word by accident or it looked like a, yeah. a swear I, mean, I always remember that because that's what I, Mac, that's Poppy, sign, sorry. I can't remember what the Macintosh sign is that he did uh, but it's very similar to a rude word, yeah. word in BSN so I, so I think it's uh, that that's where but people always uh, going to pick up <laughs> the mistake was but you know I think people like there's Justin, always going to be people watching though, yeah there's, there's always someone trying to kind of yeah. bring but they see people kind of have success and I think there's always someone wanting to sort of try and bring them down a bit and what shocked me as well is, is <laughs> this really really genuinely took me by surprise was I remember it was a con- I don't know why I ended up going to the comments but it was like an announcement of a new series of Paw Patrol a new season of Paw Patrol right and there were adults in the comments going I can't wait for this season last season was great and there was genuinely adults really looking forward to the next season of Paw Patrol and I was like that, that really fried my head a little bit because I was kind of like this is for kids I mean, there's adults genuinely really excited do you, I mean do you come across that in, yeah in we make I mean we, we, we make our um, <laughs> the content for CBeebies particularly is, is made with a dual audience in mind the fact that you've got parents and carers watching it as well so so you try and make the content that's palatable for them as well and so you have some uh, either music or, or some of the dialogue that is in there. Just that, that kind of just helps the adults kind of really in, enjoy the show as well. So, so I think that's that's probably part of it. Mm. Especially with voices as well, you like to they like to try and get a name to do a voice to mm. get in. Uh, some, yeah, sometimes sometimes it's useful to have someone who's got a um, who's known. And, and I notice now it's more about their kind of social media followings. So if they, if you can get someone who's doing a voice who's got a big following, then then you you just get a bit more marketing, a bit more publicity. And you got to be careful, haven't you? I mean, there was a, there was a kids program a while ago that had Kevin Smith. He was flying in the air and some kids thing, and they were like. I love Kevin Smith. He's one of my heroes. He made Clerks and Mallrats and Dogma and stuff. And he's one of the podcasting pioneers of the world, right? But I love him. But he's very foul-mouthed, likes his weed. You know, he's Jay and Silent Bob. And he's on this kids' program flying for the air. And, it's, and they're like, have you listened to any Kevin Smith stuff? Like, you know, it's great having these people. In it. But then again, you got like Tom Hardy's just been announced. He's doing uh, the, 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 the story the late night story on CBeebies again and I had this conversation on a live show a couple of weeks ago how I thought Tom Hardy was a little bit overrated and it, people just like open mouthed at me I was like Bane doesn't sound like Sean Connery stop it <laughs> do you know what I mean but people love Tom Hardy so that will bring people in the adults as well yeah. you know I think that's interesting it really is interesting absolutely um, yeah um, I auditioned for um, do you remember Tree Food Tom yes Tree Food Tom Tree Food Tom yeah yeah I did really well on the audition. I got through to like a third round and then they decided to go with Sophie David Rich. Tennant and Sophie Aldrich, which is cool because they sound David great, Tennant, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's Doctor Who, man, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't get that because <laughs> I wasn't like... I know. think that was the... I think that was their angle, actually, is, is that Sophie and and David Tennant together it was the first time they'd done something together since Doctor Who so it was, it was kind of yeah. like a my favourite um, David Tennant impression do kids know that though when, when kids well, are that's watching it, yeah. this is my you know no offense. I didn't even know David Tennant was in that until you told me just genuinely <laughs> yeah. my favourite um, David Tennant impression is nothing to do with Doctor Who it's um, Jessica Jones it's Jessica <laughs> oh, that's a good one that's like ah! your, you, you said you'd worked on let me hear your impression that you said you'd worked on um Jürgen Klopp. Yeah. Yeah, so um, 
for on the left side, um, I they, they used to be like, can you do impressions of this person? I do, uh, you know, uh, Frank Lampard, you know, you know. But like he would be like Jurgen Klopp, and I was like, oh my god, that's a really difficult one because he's such a well-known person, right? But I used to do this thing on the on the podcast called the Camp Germans, and yeah, welcome to the show. It's very nice to see you walking into the smoke, you know, all these kind of things. And I was like, so I got this Camp German thing. So yeah, my name is Jürgen Klopp. and then just drop it down a little bit. So yeah, my name is Jürgen Klopp, and then I I'm in Liverpool for a very long time. It's very good, and then you had a bit of growth onto it. It's like these little bits. It's like, but a bit like you though, you know, sitting in the bath trying to learn to do yeah. Donald Donald Duck. I, I went know, over it and over it and over. Squally last week, he was being interviewed um, on the Sunday brunch or something I like also. that. And I and I thought his voice is amazing. I'm gonna try it. I can't do it now because yeah. I've had a bit of a chest. Joe don't don't. I can't do it now. Yeah. Ironically, yeah. being recorded. Yeah, because yes, yeah, little voice. <laughs> People, I, I, ha, it's you have to kind of you can train your mouth to do anything. Yeah. You really, really can. It's like a you know you can. Mm. So if you spend hours trying to perfect a voice, you'll be yeah. able to. Another one I used to do was Beavers and Butthead. All oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes they're like <laughs> grills and stuff. You know that kind of thing. Um, I, love it. I love it you know um, I, I love voice actors because they, they are they are they're super hit. I, I said this with a lot of artists that are, um, are drawn because they can do what I can't and I'll, I'll nowhere be on the level of what you are or like Ralph Garman or all my heroes Tara Strong there was a point when I was chatting to Tara Strong on Facebook about coming on the show and then she ended up in the MCU she was the clock on Loki you know and she's Powerpuff Girl it's Tara Strong she's massive you know she's she's like did you? Really? Oh, what? Well. Yeah, Bubbles. Oh, really? And the power- I, can't, I can't remember the voice. I'd have to hear it. She- hey, Cody, the Powerpuff Girl. Well, I can't remember like which, um, which character. Oh, that's tar- so cool. I think she is. She's, she's either Buttercup or... Oh, okay. Yeah, they were, do- they were doing um, some promo thing or something. And, um, I love her to bits. I, and as soon, as soon as you get so big that they're on the MCU, that's it. You can't get hold of them. Never you know, she was very welcome to come on the show, but... Things happened and she didn't come on. Um, and we, we spoke to Billy West as well. Billy West is Billy one of our West. idols. Yeah. He was so great. And he did a thing for us. He's like, hi, I'm Zab Brennigan. Welcome to You Suck with Alan Tom. And I love that so much because these are my idols, you know. Uh, have you had a lot of feedback from from kids from the Love Monster and stuff? You, I, I know it's not only early doors. but Do you, you know had- what? In the playground, because the children don't watch CBBS anymore because um, they are 9 and 15. Yeah. <laughs> so... I don't really hang out with the kind of younger kids anymore. And but when I do see them, yeah, they they do. They're, they're, there are quite a few kids that do love love. Uh, actually, adults as well are really enjoying love monsters. She's bubbles. She's bubbles. Is she bubbles? She's bubbles. Yeah. <gasps> awesome. So she's your competitor. Brilliant. But she's obviously Harley Quinn. She's she's oh, she's so she does many. Teen things. Titans as well. Doesn't Teen she? Titans. Yeah. That's she does. Right. I think she does Raven and Teen Titans. Raven, yeah. 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 That was. Um, in fact, with um, Chapman, who's working on Love Monster, he did he work with on Teen yeah, Titans? He worked on Teen. No, yeah, my producer. No, no, one of the writers on Love Monster was right. a writer on Teen Titans. My, my, my weird goal is to end up as, even if it's just a, um, or something on the, on the extras of um, Rick and Morty. I just want to be, I have a credit on Rick and Morty. That's all I want in my life. That's it. And then I can die happy, you know, because. Uh, you got the Simpsons. I know. That would be cool. That would be cool, though. 
Yeah, just to be on the Simpsons family guy, something like that. But yeah. Rick and Morty for me is like, or Futurama, but Futurama's not going anymore. No, there's there's, there's rumours of them doing some sort of stuff with Futurama, but um, I don't think it'll be involved. Today is Tuesday. It's Nippler's birthday. We used to watch that all the time. Pre-kids. Hey, you want to destroy all humans? Ben, dude, it's so good. These are the kind of shows I'll sit and watch on my six-year-old, knowing that they're probably a bit too risque for him, but I don't mind. They probably don't even notice. Yeah, they probably didn't even notice. I just remembered, actually, my very, very first voiceover was during pantomime when I was follow spot operator mm. for Jack and the Beanstalk, and they needed one of the crew members um, at front of house to um, shout out, she's in the toilet, in a kid's voice. So I said, I can do that. Now, do you remember a chap called Nigel Liscoe? Um, he, he actually invented, not invented, created, um, is he the Britain's Got Talent or? Yes, Britain's Got Talent. Britain's Got Talent, yeah. I think. I oh, know, the one that uh, Pop Idol. Uh, Pop Idol. Pop Idol. Originally, yeah, came up with the concept of that. Anyway, cut long story short, his wife, Bonnie, was, she was choreographing the panto. And, and uh, she said, okay, okay, Jane, can you do that? I was like... Right, where's so and so? They shouted out, and I had to shout out, She's in the toilet! <laughs> and they, could, they went, Is that, You should do voiceovers. But I kind of, that's what I wanted to do anyway, eventually. Mm, yeah, but yeah. because they said that, I was like, Right, that's it. I'm, I'm doing it now. Um, so, yeah, I, I, but I worked in production first, and the, but I was an acting understudy. So I was a stage manager, stroke understudy for play days. So I had to go on on stage as Poppy the Cat, <laughs> Peggy Patch. And what was the other one in it? Why Bird. That's right. Remember Why Bird? No. You, you, my my, my no. memory's like... No. I remember certain things, but not everything. I remember, like, the highlights of certain things. My life is just like... It's one of those yeah. things. Yeah. A distant... Yeah. Haze. Yeah. I, I have to write everything down. Seriously. You know, you ask me a question, <laughs> I have to look through the book. Um, but, no, I had to... Um, funny thing was, when, we, when I was working with Justin Fletcher on the um, Playday show, live show, he was playing Mr Jolly, and Peggy Patch is actually a doll in the, tree, in the right TV there. show. Yeah. There she is. Tony um, acquired her from, from Playdate. Um, but in the stage show, they have real humans dressed up as the... They're not puppets. But Peggy Patch, in reality, she's, she's quite small compared to Mr Jolly, who was played by Justin. So when I had to go on as understudy, I was taller than Mr Jolly, which is actually quite funny. <laughs> so... Justin had to kind of like look up to me to art and it was it was so embarrassing because like I was wearing Peggy Patch's costume and they were like half masked dungarees <laughs> and that character isn't really me it's kind of like a girly oh Mr Jolly I can't even remember her voice is that right Mr Jolly that's all yeah, the voice like um, so I, I absolutely hated being on stage as, as Peggy Patch and I didn't go on very much it was only if someone was ill or whatever on tour um, but oh that was the worst one I didn't mind playing Poppy the cat because that would do, Mr. Julie, and you'd wear a head so you could hide. Yeah, yeah. But Peggy Patch, I was in the flesh, I had to wear a wig and a hat, and I was like, I couldn't hide. I felt really out of my comfort zone because, you know, I don't know, it's because it wasn't my part and I wasn't cast for that part, I just suddenly felt, oh, my God, I'm playing someone else. And I'm like, I kind of like hiding behind a character, though. It's a weird thing. It's a weird thing. I mean, like, yeah. I know I can't claim to... I always say this. Oh, yeah, I did this thing at the prison. I, I, I know exactly how you're feeling, but I don't. But I, when, when they, whether, they, whether they get me to play a, a drag artist, whether they get me... I've done that before. Brilliant. I had a really big beard as well, and they're giving the wig and the makeup, and I was like, oh, so you just walk into people's rooms, do you? Get out of my room. And I didn't know if I was being, like, insensitive. You were a like, drag artist in the prison? Yeah. Really? 
really? It was fun. Cool. Uh, or the psychopath butcher. I went to audition for 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 Winnie the Pooh. Hello, I'm Winnie the Pooh. And uh, yeah, I like I liked it. I like hiding. At the moment, I'm playing a, a bit of an arsehole, right? And I like that because I'm not in real life. I can kind of just be bad you know yeah and then go home Let and be rip. the the, uh, the wimp that i normally am do you know what i mean like it's kind of nice i think for something like that though where you know that that is your character it's yeah. okay but when you're kind of understudying for like four characters understudy sounds scary to me it was really like, scary. in you go <laughs> that, that, that was my first tour playdays tour um because i applied what was what i can't so i left school i've so forgotten I went to draw. I went. I did the performing arts course. Took a year out and worked in professional theatre and did follow spotting and worked with um, Chaz and Dave. Oh, wow. I was their follow spot operator to see them do Rabbit live. <laughs> it was just mind blowing. Can you imagine? Like, like you're a kid, like seventeen, and they're there. Yeah, yeah. It's like whoa! I was their follow spot operator. It was amazing. Um, what did I do? And then I went, to, I went to Guildford School of Acting. Justin had just left, Justin Fletcher. He'd just left Guildford School of Acting. So we didn't meet there, but we yeah. met later. Yeah, later on in life, So yeah. when I left that, I literally left on a Friday, and my carpentry, car, can't say it, carpentry tutor's wife was playing Mrs. Barnum. Have you heard of the show Barnum, the circus show? No. You know, Great Showman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's based on, based yeah, on that. Yeah, yeah. Petey Barnum was a... Runga Bell, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so she was playing Mrs. Barnum, and they needed um, an assistant stage manager. So I had just won the stage management cup because I, I did stage management at drama school. Cool. And because I'd won the cup, I was asked to, to, to go for an interview for, the, for this, this role. So I'd left on the Friday. I got the job and literally went on tour on the Monday. Literally left drama school. I was so lucky. So I literally joined the circus as um, assistant stage manager. Um, which was so much fun because obviously, you know, I left, left drama school and I'm not now taught on tour. I'm an adult. Yeah, it's like, woo! <laughs> so, you know, they, it was great. It was like a family, a touring family. They nurtured me and I kind of learnt the job on the job. It was amazing. And they had real circus people there. So I got to work with real jugglers, trapeze artists, stilt walkers, nice. unicyclists, you name it, they were there. Um, so I got to learn quite a lot of, you know, fantastic skills. Um, but one of my jobs was to load the gun in the show. It's a bit of a... Oh, well. Yeah, don't worry, it was, on, it was on a real gun. Um, <laughs> but one night, I forgot to load it. Oh, no. Yeah, so it was quite a major scene, actually, where, you know, there's a gunshot and someone mm. dies in it. And um, so he's standing there, it's a really serious scene. And there was no bang. And can There's you imagine? Somebody had to shout, Bang! <laughs> it was Andrew O'Connor. Big shout out to Andrew O'Connor, presenter. <laughs> um, he was playing P.T. Barnum, and oh, that's when it gets really. You know, when you're responsible, because obviously the whole thing was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and there's nothing you can do about it. You know, it's a live show. Yeah. You can't rewind it, you know, you can't reshoot it. It's and that's so the... yeah, so they had to kind of act to this pretend bang and in a real that was nasty. And I've also plummeted the stage into darkness before, before the end of a number. <laughs> I was doing Chicago. I think it was that one. All that jazz and all that blackout. <laughs> they hadn't finished the song and like the director was like, So things can happen. I've been caught on live TV. Do you remember Smile on a Sunday morning with Fern Cotton and Reggie Yates on a, it was on BBC Two I think it was and there's a little monkey in it called Neville I, thi I think so yeah, was yeah. It just after the live and kicking thing sort of died yeah. down yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they had a regular puppeteer 
who would do Neville, but obviously when he went on holiday or was off sick, I would come in and take over. The voice was pre-recorded on a keyboard, so he had certain phrases, yeah, 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 <laughs> things like that. I remember that. So you'd have a monkey. script, and you would then press whatever button. And it was the producer, Billy McQueen, yeah. doing the voice for, for Neville. Um, so I didn't ever do the voice, I was just like puppeteering. But because it's live, you know, again, you can't mm. really focused. And it's a three-hour live show. And it's like a magazine show, so you have guests coming on, singers, um, and then they'll cut to... So they'll be, they'll be on the singers, like Top of the Pop sort of thing, and there's mm. a stage over there singing. And then they'll, you'll get a little cue, and you're right, stand by, Neville, we're coming to you next, blah, blah, blah. And there was a new cameraman on, bless. I mean, you obviously have to start somewhere. Yeah. And the cameraman hadn't lined up on the correct place. The camera was still sort of dead, laying down where I was laying, waiting to come up. Uh- with a puppet on the floor. Yeah. Spoil so the elements. on national TV, you look on the main monitor, cut to me, and I'm sitting there like a, like a dead puppeteer with a dead puppet. And then all of a sudden you see me go, <gasps> like that on live national TV. It scared the living heck out of me. That was my last time I did any live TV. It, re- it was it. That was it. It was, it was, it was, it was shown. So the whole nation... Wow. So, and I'm sure people have forgotten. I haven't. Um, <laughs> so I do not like live TV. And, and on that same show, on I was, they were interviewing Peter Andre, and um, I'd forgotten my knee pads as a puppeteer. So as a, as a puppeteer, you've got to kind of how you, you know... Get into all positions, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm leaning on the floor, and I've not got my knee pads, but Peter Andre's there. He's sat at the desk. So I'm like on his level of... So you're like knee level down... Knee level. He's, his head's up there and I'm kind of, you know... That must by, be awkward. By his, <laughs> it's all right, actually, at the time. You know, <laughs> I'm like, like there with a puppet. And I'm like not thinking about my knees. <laughs> and he's there. He'd just come out of the jungle. And do you remember the song Insane? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he was singing that on the show. Um, so I was kind of in awe because he's a really lovely guy. He's a really, really nice guy. So I'm like you know, looking at Peter Andre and then we finish the show and I stand up and I'm like, my knee's real bad. And I had this lump on my knee. And basically, I'd got housemaid's knee. Have you heard of, heard of no, that? No, 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 no. So in the olden days, when um, ladies used to, well, I'm sure men did too, clean the floor, they needed to kneel, they'd get a lump on their knee. Oh, and no. it's called housemaid's knee. So, yeah, I had to have a knee operation because I didn't got knee. my knee pads. And I was going to ask about that as well. Ah! Ooh, oh, that was happy. <laughs> It's Sorry, okay. everyone. Poppy's allowed. You're all right. Well done. Well done. You just warned, uh, warned just everybody of a threat. Off. <laughs> um, so, yes, it comes with its... Yeah, it's, you know. it's, yeah, it's dangerous and it's... But, like, you know, there's... Uh, you always see the... Um, I don't know whether it's Kermit the Frog or Puppeteers and they're, they're lying in a box at people's feet and, yeah. you know, that must... Was I like lying there for so long at people's feet, you know, awkward it's actually really comfortable if you've got the right equipment (laughs) so i have a puppeteer trolley basically and it's got an adjustable we haven't got it out it's it's up in the loft but it's like um sort of like a deck chair on wheels and you lay down on the board it's got wheels on it so you can make the puppet walk Hmm. and then you have your monitor attached to the trolley because you never look up at the puppet when you when you puppeteer you're looking down at a monitor ah okay so you know what the camera's looking at. absolutely yeah yeah it makes sense it's quite technical so to get a puppeteer, you're gonna, you know, it's quite technical. You, you don't just have the puppeteer and the puppet. You've got to have like the trolley, um, the the monitor. Um, when you, because I trained with a Henson company for puppeteering, nice. and uh, all the Henson gang, they use straight scan monitors to work with. But I work in reverse scan, 
So oh, like a mirror. Okay, so you go left is right and right is left. Absolutely. Yeah. So when you get on set, if, if, if your monitor's not the correct setting, it's like being drunk with a puppet. And that's happened a few times. And and it changes, doesn't it? If, you, if the camera... If the can you behind, explain that one? If the camera's behind the puppet, then you you don't need it to be reversed because you know, the mirror image doesn't quite work. But there's a, there's a real... I think there's a real slight snobbery around uh, monitor usage in the puppeteer community. So if you are a Henson trained puppeteer, there, there is the, the right way of doing it is to have a straight scan monitor. But it's actually far easier to have a, to use a reverse scan because it's more intuitive. Mean... So, but there, but there is a little bit of a snobbery around it, I think in, in the industry. But, uh... Me and my uh, me and my best friend we used to have these arguments about. We used to play Call of Duty. He likes to play reverse axis. Oh, yeah. You know, so up is down and down is up. You know, I'd be like, I don't know how you play that. He's like, imagine someone's got hold of your hair and then they're going to pull down, your face is going to go up and they push up and your face is going to go down. I was like, okay, but no one's grabbing hold of my hair. Like, yeah. <laughs> but that's how I see it. And it's, it's weird how people look at things, but you know, you do what you know is best. But I guess if there was an, a universal way of doing it, like you said, you know, it would be easier for people to oh, learn. Well, I think it comes from technology though. Yeah. I think when, when, Hen- when Jim Henson was, when they first started, doing puppetry and the Muppets they, there wasn't technology to, to reverse a, a monitor uh, easily see, that makes sense. so they just they, used, they went with what they were given which was that's your tradition yeah. so that's where it kind of came from but like I say it's, it's sort of considered the Rolls Royce of, of, of puppeteering is, is that you, you, you would use a, um, a straight scan monitor but it's, it's far more intuitive but we on, on um, we did a show called the Furchester Hotel which was a um, we love the co-production Furchester. with Welcome. Sesame, with Sesame. No, 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 no. And on that, it's rather than, rather than having all the puppeteers on trolleys, and and because uh, become if you've got a lot of puppeteers and you've suddenly got everyone on wheels and things like that, it becomes sort of carnage quite quickly. So we what commonly what happens is you end up raising the setup. So the set was actually built uh, about one and a half meters in the air, so that the puppeteers can actually like walk scroll. around with uh. the puppet above their head. So you never see the floor. Uh, or, or you... Have you ever seen any behind the scenes with? No, no, no. So they're quite a lot of the time they are raised sets. So that you're the humans are I saw the thing at Alton Towers. No, is it Alton Towers? Yeah, Alton Towers. CBB's work, CBB land, right? Oh. And they, they got the Furchester Hotel. Did you go place. on my ride? The, There's a Numtum ride, and I'm in it. Number eight. Cootie. We went on them all. Numtum eight. We went on the, uh, the Gojet as one, and the, there's a it Tree is. Food Tom thing as yeah. well, yeah. yeah. We've Did done you go to Justin's house? Yeah, yes, yes. Did we do that? I don't know. Probably yeah, not. Right. They, and on that, on that experience there, they, they do have like a raised up counter, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah, it's all like big, big Yeah, yeah. So we do that, and, and um, so you raise the setup because you can't you can't create a trough in the um, in the studio. So you raise the setup. But the, the problem we had on Furchester was um, had the bright idea that we'd like um, uh, Big Bird to come and uh, visit the the uh, Furchester Hotel one day. So eight they, meters tall. So, so we suddenly had so we suddenly had to um, <laughs> build a floor area for for the for Big Bird to come in and uh, cheat that a bit, really. But with the voices for Furchester, what well, am I wrong in thinking that Elmo didn't really have an accent? Because it's, it's, it's the it's the it is the person who does Elmo around the world. So it's, it is Ryan. The genuine, Big shout out to Ryan. Yeah, it's, a gen, it's the genuine um, Elmo. So whether whether his accent was softened in the UK because of mm. if he was just staying in the UK or not, I don't know. But it, it um, him and. Um, Cookie Monster. Cookie Monster were the, uh, uh, the uh, original. The, the original, well, not the original, but the, the two. Uh, it's David Rudman. <laughs> that's a sore subject, isn't it? The David. whole Elmo thing. <laughs> yeah, we currently do it, and then and um, and that's the chap who does um, Big Bird now. Is uh, the original one? So they flew over from. What an amazing thing to US. work on. I, I'm yeah. still in disbelief that I actually puppeteered on set 
with Cookie Monster and Elm. I mean, like, I still don't the rock believe... stars of the puppet world. <laughs> yeah. It's like... That is just... But what's, what's, been, what's also been really nice about that project is one of the directors that we had, a, guy, a chap called Jack Jameson, really good puppet director. Oh, he's amazing. Um, Big shout they, out to Jack. They loved him so much. <laughs> and ended, he's ended up... He's in Sesame um, Street. Directing Sesame Street. He's wow. in Sesame so Street goes, right now. He goes to the US yeah. a few months at a time, directs Sesame Street, which was like a childhood dream for him. Uh, one of the puppeteers, Warwick... Um, his childhood dream was to work with the Muppets. He's ended up working, um, going and uh, working on Sesame Street as well. Making so, a big push on the Muppets thing at the moment, aren't they? Disney yeah. Plus. So yeah. that that thing that we did here in the UK is is kind of given opportunities to so many other people. It's been great, and that's really good. I feel like you need to keep the keep, keep the flag go, sort of the, the flame flowing. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Pass on the torch. You've Got to keep it going because like it's an art what you guys are doing is art at the end is an art and it needs to keep going. I guess you know the the, the whole Jim Henson puppetry school thing is designed to keep that going i don't know if that goes on anymore does it no no, it was we were really lucky actually because i I think it was was whilst we finished doing the tweenies and that was when i wanted to make my break into the voiceover world um because i'd been directing eastenders background on eastenders and things like that and grange hill and that's when i knew that i wanted to change and then that just we heard through word of mouth that the hensons who were based in camden town at the time in london they were going to be doing a course at Elstree Film Studios. Oh, right. So I was lucky to, to apply, and there was a lovely guy, Pete Coogan. He was the um, exec producer of Henson's then. I don't... He's... I think yeah, he's think still he's, there now. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, Big shout-out to Pete! He's really cool. Contacted him, <laughs> and, um, yeah, I got accepted on the course where I met some amazing people who are still my friends now, but Andy, Andy Heath, who made my puppet. Ah. 20 years ago! Big shout-out to Andy Heath. He, he puppeteers... Um, when David's not in the country, he does helps out with Cookie Monster and does loads of stuff. And um, there's some yeah amazing people that I met on the course, but they're all around the world now. And but a lot of them are working on Spitting Image. And because ah, um, okay. have you been I watching that back. I didn't because even though I am involved a little bit in politics of, of, of things, I, I kind of stay away from things that are politically charged and stuff. So I know it's all it's all about yeah. yeah so I, I'm aware the puppets though. You know, they've, yeah. the, especially the older ones. They they were very. <laughs> Brilliant and a little bit scary as well. They are, they are <laughs> bit, scary. Yeah. Um, in fact, our friend Neil Sterenberg, big shout out to Neil Sterenberg. He lives in, <laughs> he's down the road actually. He's Church in Stratton. Church Stretton. Oh, wow. Okay. He is a puppet maker. Hey, buddy. If you look at any, if you look at most UK puppets, I think it's fair to say that he's built them. Uh, you know, he's a big Nuzzle and Scratch. Is he Nuzzle or is he Scratch? I always get them mixed up. You know, did nuzzle, you see Nuzzle and Scratch, the llamas? Yes, I remember. Alpacas, yeah, yeah, yeah. the alpacas. But no, he, Neil, Neil's a, uh, a prolific puppet builder, but he also puppeteers as well. He's he's working on spitting image. I grew up with um, Zig and Zag. Ah, <laughs> Zig and Zag. I remember Zig and Zag. Our mate Damien yeah. Farrell. Uh, and I remember that I was because my family in Ireland. Uh, we were watching um, Irish TV, and Zig and Zag was just like it was like a couple of years after Zig and Zag had sort of done their thing, and they were hosting on this this thing in Irish TV, and I was like, "Oh, Zig and Zag Irish? I don't know, but it was amazing to see them." You know, we'll have to hook you up with an interview with with is he Zig or is he Zag? Damien, our no, friend Damien. No idea. He's he's got I a which one. I, I had a zig and zag pencil case poster, oh, a awesome. t-shirt. I had, I loved them. Well, they were great. Yeah. yeah, great characters. Dave Chapman, he 
played Zig or Zag. I always get them mixed up. Yeah, did he? Was it? Yeah, Dave. Oh, if you introduce me to them and bring them on my other show, yeah, I'll, sure. I'll be really happy about that. That would make my absolutely make my. That'll be um, up there with Ralph Garman. <laughs> do you know what I mean? like, we'll bring them all here. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll, yeah. yeah, you know, you don't believe the, the puppet community in the UK is really is really strong, and and actually the stuff that they get up to. I mean, the the, the Dark Crystal was um, filmed in Pine. Don't Wood. talk about what puppeteers get up so, to. Uh, <laughs> but they, so they, the hands go all over the place. <laughs> brand, and then um, our, our friend Dave, Dave is one of the puppeteers who does BB-8 for um, Star Wars. So they, they do these huge uh, franchise uh, franchises. The Damien's yeah. been doing Star Wars and Labyrinths. And what about if somebody took on something that you'd done before? Like, I mean, I, I've spoken to this with Charlie Adler on the other show. Make sure you check out Yusuf, guys. Uh, I was talking about. Um, he does the voice for Modoc. He has done for years, and they, it was given to um, uh, Pat Oswald. Um, and I was like, "How do you feel about you know somebody else taking you?" He's like, well, "You know, good luck to him." You know, um, sometimes you get like a an email saying, oh, "I'm doing your thing. Do you mind if I step into your shoes?" He didn't do Starscream and the the Bumblebee movie or the latest Star, you know, uh, Transformers movies, which he's done. Uh, Starscream for years. You know, um, so like, you know, what's it like when someone takes hold of something you've had? And you've worked on for years. Is that what that feel like? I've not experienced that. The only like, they changed characters when we were working on the tweenies. They changed voices. Yeah, of I, I, Bella. Yeah, but I've personally not experienced. I've been on that the other myself. side of it. I've been on the other side where we where we've made a decision to recast, um, yeah. and, and sometimes it, it is it is awkward, um, and it's not because the person you recast has done something wrong. It's just because the the character has changed. It's gone in a different direction. It's become. A more prevalent character, and it, and it's and it's changed in such a way that you you need a, a different voice for it. So, so yeah, it's it's a little awkward, and I think they, I think I, I presume they must feel kind of like, mm, okay, well that was my character. But did you ever watch Burn Notice? Not puppets, but it. Burn Notice, no. It, but but they literally changed. There was a character in it. Um, she played an Irish character. And then he switched her to American, literally for the next episode. It really was that drastic. Well, yeah, but the pilot episode. She's got this strong, quite dodgy Irish action, uh, accent, and then uh, they clearly thought she can't do an Irish accent. That's terrible. So let's change. It, went to series, that. <laughs> it happens. Yeah, Simpsons. Yeah. Listen to the Simpsons. They change a lot, don't they? Yeah, they yeah. Change, and it, well, um, early Homer sounds like this, and uh, in the beginning of the Simpsons, ha, huh, Marge. You know, he's got that sort of weird. Mildly different. Isn't you don't it? make friends with salad. <laughs> you don't. I think uh, you try not to to recast, obviously, but um, it, it happens on occasions. I, I was very excited the other day. They did um, like an interview with Earthworm Jim. Who Earthworm Jim again is one of those things I absolutely love. Dan Castellino again, who does uh, Homer Simpson, oh, and um, they're doing this interview with Earthworm Jim. And I was like, they're bringing Earthworm Jim back. He's like, yeah, yeah. There's going to be cartoons. There's going to be loads of them. There's going to be explosions. There's going to be this. There's going to be that. And it's just Earthworm Jim being Earthworm Jim. And I'm supposed to be this mature, responsible adult, but inside I'm going, oh my god, I'm going to be good. I know the feeling. I know the feeling. Well, imagine when I met Rod Jane and Freddie and and, and, and Zippy Bungle and George. It was like, (gasps) (laughs) oh, Bungle. Childhood (laughs) dream. Um, I'm just trying to think of some more funny stories that we could tell you. Of uh, there's so many. I've forgotten them all. Well, we can do another interview. I mean, I I, absolutely. I feel like we the six. ice weren't true, but I feel like we could do some. I feel like genuinely we could do like a series or something. Definitely. Um, I want to do a, a present a puppet thing with you. Yeah, let's and, do that once we get our cameras and no stuff. No pressure, in. you know. But I feel like we should. I should definitely invite you guys on. You suck because even though even though it's you it's, suck <laughs> you suck <laughs> you suck dude it's 
it's, dri- it's been driving us crazy. We've been scratching our heads with that because we created this this thing called U because we was US UK, and so we're like, oh, well, let's just call it You Suck. It'd be well funny, right? But it turns out Americans don't like. They don't have the same sense of humor as us. They don't like being told they suck at all <laughs> whatsoever. So if they see that, they don't sort of click on it. But I was like, the whole idea is we're all the same. Yeah. Like, you know, whether they're American, whether yeah. they're British, we're, if you suck, I suck. Let's just be Let's just you. Just together. be you. Just be you. That's the whole idea of it. It's just a bit of cheeky stuff. Um, but um, it's a bit R-rated. But so you, you can sort of let free and stuff. And that's another thing I need to ask as well. You can, can you, can you step into like darker roles and be like, even though you work with, with kids TV, is there a law, is there a rule, something there? You're asking the wrong person because I will just say. <laughs> I mean, I, I, uh, can Justin Fletcher suddenly end up uh, doing a very sweary role and then go back into CBB sort of thing? You know I, what I mean? Like, no, I, I think someone like Justin, it would, it's always, it's always really difficult for our, our presenters because actually we don't have them on on any kind of exclusive contract or anything like that, so they can they can go off and do whatever they like. Um, but it would be really awkward, I think, if Justin did that. I think is for for him particularly because of his because of his level of fame. Yeah, well, let's not put words into it, Justin's it, mouth. It, but it I mean, be, like, it in would just tricky, in... it'd be tricky for him. But he does, you know, he went off and did. Um, he 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 went and did. Um, he played. Um, Oh, Rower Children. Oh, yeah. The, the, um, the, the role that Bernard Cribbins played. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, Mr. Pooks, is it? Yeah, Mr. Pooks. Uh, yeah, so he, he played that, uh, and, and he was brilliant. So he's a, he's a great actor, and so he does do adult stuff, and he, and he was um, also in a CBB show called Wizard Trip Witch, um, and he, which is, again, a slightly older older thing, but I think, he, I think he would always be very careful with the type of thing he would take on. I don't think he would take on anything blue, uh, as you like. I think he would, it would, he, he would feel it would damage his other... Other part of his work, but you know other other. Um, and he, he actually, I've he got, got an example. He, he got really worried when we were. I'm sure he won't mind us saying this, but when we were doing some of the shakes, the, the Shakespeare sh- um, live shows, um, because some of the obviously well most of the the characters in, in Shakespearean tales are quite dark mm-hmm. and uh, sort of very sort of let's, seedy. Let's do Hamlet. No, <laughs> and, and he's, you know I just feel really uncomfortable with this because it's just so at odds with what I do as my as my kind of day job as a children's presenter. So we so we really have to be quite careful who how we how we cast those shows actually for those for those sensitive. Of course, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think they're conscious of it. But um, our friend Poi, as in christened Poi. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Poi plays a prostitute in Bridget Jones's diary. Mm. Oh, I didn't know Did that. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I didn't know that until she told me. Was she Poe? Yeah. yeah. She was, yeah. Sure. She yeah. was. That was yeah. always like, there's a rumour there that she was Poe once. I, I had a friend, yeah. who, apparently, he said he was like the understudy for, for Dipsy. <gasps> uh, and I was like, what? And, he, that, and that was something that he used to say. Well, I don't know if it was ever true, but... Uh. <laughs> I heard that the lady who does the voice of Lala lives in Shrewsbury. We need to find this out, guys. So write to us, um, the, the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast at gmail.com if you know Lala. I want to meet Lala. <laughs> Lala is my favourite. I have a Lala doll and everything. He was always Dipsy, my favourite, because he was a little bit silly. He was a little bit Dipsy different. Was the green one? Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was a bit different, and I'm, I'm a bit different. He, he didn't talk properly. He was kind of like. <laughs> I love the rabbits in it. Yeah. They were big rabbits. We didn't actually get to meet the rabbits. I'd love to have gone on to tel- Teletubby Land. That would have been amazing. We had friends that worked on that, though, didn't we? Did we? Tell yeah. yeah. Ros. Ros. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? You know, speaking about Chris and Poi, I do have massive respect for these guys that have been doing this for so long, by the way. You know, really wearing their hearts on their sleeves and be like, hi, kids, welcome to the show. Because I, I couldn't do that. I mean, I'm, I'm a very pleasant guy, very open guy. You know, 
I should say. But, you know, I'm a very easygoing person. But to be that open and that sort of vulnerable on in front of kids and stuff, it's just, it just seems like an impossible goal it for me. It is quite so. a, a... You've got to have that energy. Yeah. You, 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 friendly, happy, no matter what you're feeling inside. If you're feeling a bit bad that day, that has to go away. Yeah. Well, that was it's me last night on the, the radio. It's all about the kids. We, we, were, we had the real privilege and pleasure to work with Bernard Cribbins um, who from my childhood was a, was a kind of a voice and, a, and an actor that you remember from sort of fantastic shows uh, and he um, talking to him he was like you know, what, what's, what you, what's going through your head because I'm always fascinated by what you've just said so what's going through their heads when, they think, when, they're, when they're doing their, their kind of performances and what, they're, what do they think about and he, he said that it's very simple for him he's just thinking about that one child at home watching him and he's performing to that one child he's not thinking about however many people watching him and, it, and it's just really focused and that's just a really good good way of describing it and a good lesson that's really, really good I like yeah. that actually but he he was uh, is sorry uh, an amazing actor an amazing he's man lovely. to work with yeah did you see that old Jack's Boat? That was one of Tony's programmes on CBeebies. Yes, yes, yes with the dog this yeah. is a life from yeah, Salty yeah. Dog Passed Away oh recently. no did he yeah, yeah that was quite sad but um, that was an amazing program, wasn't it? To Just the guy sitting there telling stories. Yeah, yeah. he's a great yeah. story. He's a great storyteller. He's a lovely, lovely man. Did you ever see the Water Babies when you were younger in, mm. in the olden days? It was an animation about a chimney sweep. Yes, and yes, it was and live action. They went into the and the then he lake. fell in the water yeah. in the river, and then he turned into animation. Well, Bernard was in that, and I was totally obsessed with that as, as a child. I remember that too. Now you said it, I've I remember the song. <laughs> hi, 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 cockalorum. There was a beautiful <laughs> song in it. Anyway, so as a kid. I was like, I love that film. That was like my favourite film. But then later on, I got to meet Bernard and that was amazing. We took the boys and that yeah. was actually quite an embarrassing day because um, I can't say this. No. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say. When we're not recording, I shall tell yeah, the yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah, that. Rain it in, darling. Rain it in. The interesting thing about Object Boat, I think, is also to talk about kind of creative processes is actually that the, the, the idea originally came from Chris Jarvis. So he, he, he brought that to us and he went, I've got this idea for the show, it's got to have Bernard in it and, and all this, and, and we developed it from that. So, oh, yeah, wow. he's, he's a clever man as well, Chris. You know, he's been doing it for donkey years and he's a uh, great presenter, does uh, radio presenter as well, but also writes and performs in pantos every year. So, his big so is there like a CBBS or CBBC sort of academy looking for new, constantly looking for new presenters and things? Because I noticed they do like to fresh things up now and again with a new presenter now and again. There's not really, there's not really an academy or a sort of a constant call out. I mean, we 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 cast specifically for shows. So so when we want someone, we'll 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 put a call out for for type of the type of person we're looking for. The last time I did a big casting was um, we did a show called Tickabilla, um, and we were looking for four or five. Uh, more than actually we were six presenters and so quite a lot and we did a we did an open call out for anyone who wanted to fancy to stab at being a presenter uh, and we got I think we got something like 700 or 750 people write to us and they, they were from, from uh, children's um, party um, performers to, to all sorts of people people who worked in nurseries people who had no experience whatsoever in, in children's telly um, and we've met some really interesting people but there's you know 700 people is a lot of people to see in an audition so we, we obviously whittled that down but and actually, that was the show where Justin we gave we actually cast Justin, and that was the first show he did in Vision as a as a TV show. So um, amazing! I remember I remember Tickabella. I remember the uh, the controversy. How does the it. song go? Oh, <laughs> the the presenter. Again, yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I don't want to mention that. We'll, we'll skip over that. But what I love about that is you know you you say you wanted to cast a new role, and I, I remember watching um, 
a clip about the the American Office, right? Which is I love to bits because Steve Carell is just a genius. But I also love John Krasinski and I love his story because you know the the role for Jim in the American Office. I don't know if you've seen it, but. Um, you have people like Seth Rogen and all these people in movies and TV that you see loads of people applying for the, the role of Jim. And then you get young John Krasinski, never done anything. And he just, he just does it naturally. Just like, uh, yes, yeah, so I'll be selling paper for the rest of my life. Uh, you know, and he just knocks it out of the park and they had to go, I'm sorry, Seth Rogen. <laughs> yeah. We're going to go with the young kid. Do you know what I mean? Like to be, to have the, the, the kahunas to say no to a big star because you can see potential in somebody that you've never heard of. And I think, I think it's what, what I find is with casting is that you, um, you don't, you, you don't, you actually don't know what you want. And so you do invite some known people into the audition process because you, you kind of know their voice. Well, maybe it's, maybe it's that sort of thing that we're looking for. And, and so you do, you do see kind of, um, recognizable voices, but they, they're not always the right, person actually because within that mix of people that you're seeing you're also seeing younger uh, or new new talent to you as well so mm. and actually when you hear the voice you hear, you hear the you hear the right voice that you're looking for and it, and it might even though you've seen loads of celebrities and so we we um we go through that quite a lot we kind of but also from my experience as well you know you you, you see the celebrities in their known program and then they come and do a voiceover and they might not do the best job of that character yeah, yeah. simply because yeah. their forte is, is is acting on screen and being yeah, that character yeah. bill murray in the ghost is a perfect example <laughs> didn't do the, do the voice of the cartoon but was amazing in the movie yeah. there you go um and it is amazing actually how many actors won't do voiceovers mm. they just want to be a vision or uh tom hanks as well gets his brother to do the voices for for woody in a lot of the games and stuff like really? yeah his, i did not yeah. know that yeah yeah wow yeah, so I didn't know that until like last yeah. year. I was like, no way, what a cop-out man. <laughs> there was about 20 years ago, I'm saying 20s, picked a figure. Um, when I first started off in the voiceover industry, there were quite a lot of actors on st- on stage and on screen that wouldn't even go anywhere near doing a voiceover because they weren't in vision. Yeah. That changed but now, year, since, since lockdown, March 2020, that completely changed. But I mean... You look at like things like Family Guy and like Rick and Morty that I was mentioning yeah. earlier. You got these amazing stars that just, you know, they'll they'll be like, oh, we'll 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 we'll, we'll get. I mean, it was um, it was Gronk, who's a, an American football player, and they had his whole family on there. I was like, there's no way they got Gronkowski on the on the episode, and it was it's him and his entire family. There are big A-list stars that are like, we'll do this, we'll do that yeah. because they can see it, you know. But also, it's it's again, I've worked with lots of different actors, and some of them do it. For the passion and the love, yeah, yeah. because you know, like myself, I, I, I probably shouldn't say this. <laughs> you know, I, I do it for the passion of it. I love doing it so much. And that's what attracts me to you. But speaking to Jane on Messenger, by the way, you can just pause through your passion for what you do, and I love that. Forgive mm. me if I bombard you. I just get really. I just I love, love chatting no, to no. you know. I love entertaining. I mean, like the other night, for example, when we were doing Carols on Your Doorstep mm. at Katie's house, um, I took the puppet along, and I, I, I was very aware. That there were kids there who were being who were quite bored. But no offense, because the the thing is, it, the carols. We see the, the merit in what we're doing, but the kids are just kind of like. Ooh, well, mm. So I was I was thinking I, I felt real bad for these kids. I was like, right, I'm gonna go and get the puppet, and t- got the puppet out and started singing with the puppet doing the carols. You didn't turn up. You, were, <laughs> you could have seen I it. I know. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah. to see those kids <laughs> suddenly that day. not be bored and to in, you know and and to be playing with a puppet, it was just such a joy. The fact that I'd rescued these kids and entertained them and made it fun for the kids whilst their parents were singing, you know, enjoying themselves. Yeah, yeah. This is what this lovely. is where where, where I'm it's at, lovely. you know, entertaining children. This because when I was a kid, 
loved being entertained and I just and it wasn't just being entertained it was I would admire that actor or that musician or whatever whoever they were and just totally appreciate that they were a human I was just totally fascinated by it and mm. I wanted to you do even as an adult though you find yourself appreciating that when we went to Skegness a while ago the, the dreaded Skegness journey um, it was a nightmare it was like we just got dropped off in Beirut I mean we were in the outskirts of Skegness I'm sorry Skegness but, but sorry Luke Coward <laughs> Main Skegness is probably really great I'd never been to Main Skegness but this was like outskirts Skegness it was just bad but the entertainment in the club was just beyond it's brilliant fun. I love them I, I think they're fantastic at what they do they have a great in fact a lot of the actors are sort of started following them separately on their own accounts and stuff because they are just nice people brilliant at what they do so yeah. and you know when it comes to like red coats and stuff like this is like a standard now and you know a lot of these people do go on to do different things with yeah, I mean, acting, theatre and stuff. It, you you know, do so. meet a wide range of people, don't you, in the industry? And a lot of them are, you know, lovely, lovely, lovely people. But, you you know, it's like any, any anything, you know, you, you get all sorts of mm. eggs, don't you? Um, but the, the ones that are really passionate and that do it for the love of it yeah, and that are real people are just lovely. They're really, really nice. I mean, having worked on, you know, a big soap, I've, I've worked with and an array, yeah. array of actors and... Mm. You know, from June Brown to Steve McFadden, um, you know, all, all incredible actors. Martin Kemp. Yeah. <gasps> Spanner Ballet. Kemp. Yeah. I had to drive him on. Older Loki. I loved him in Loki. Oh, he was fantastic. He's amazing. There's some <laughs> lovely, lovely people out there. Really, really lovely. We really knocked actors. that out of the park, actually. We really did a great job. Yeah. Did you see Loki? No. Disney Plus. It was no. There's glorious a, purpose. We, it's my there's glorious loads of films we need to see. Oh, oh Luke Spider-Man. is fantastic. Have you seen Spider-Man? Not yet, no. <gasps> no, 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 no. no. I, 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 I'm, yeah, next I week. I want to work do. with Tom Holland. Oh, he's a nice so guy. So badly. Nice guy. His voice yeah. is amazing. Yeah. I love his voice. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. It's brilliant at what he does. Um, and this that, that's the thing with Kevin Smith that made the hair stand up on the back of my neck. He's like, he's like, there's this English kid and then he starts talking and he's like, that's an authentic new york accent from you know is from um harlem you know and i was like that's that's how it's supposed to sound he's like yeah. and it's a british kid who looks about 15 doing this accent he's like, i'm so jealous you know i love that like, you appreciate him you know i was um recording a couple of weeks ago the christmas song for love monster and um i was suddenly aware that that my director mayor um was american so i suddenly became really paranoid about eager beaver's accent mm. thinking yeah. oh and there was one word that she picked up on, I can't remember what it was now, that I was, the intonation was a little bit not quite right. I, I can't forget, forget, I forget what the word was, was it, now. Was it, wasn't it like Christmas? Was it the end of the... Christmas. I can't remember. Oh, they, 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 but anyway, I, she pointed it out and, and she tried to get me to say it in a different kind of way. But once you, you, un, you can't unhear some words, can yeah, you? Yeah, and, yeah. You, and I just could not, I can't, I can't think what the word was now. But I could not do it, so we had to change the the line because I couldn't say the word. I was arguing with Mike Perkins yesterday, and he was, go, he was we were talking about Constantine, who's one of my favourite comic book characters. And he's like, "You mean Constantine?" I was like, "No, Constantine." <laughs> and I was like, "Hold on, he works at DC Comics," and I'm arguing. <laughs> Constantine. Like, Does he like, say Constantine? He says Constantine, and he's oh, like, it's not like a tomato tomato thing. He goes, no, there was one thing where he says it rhymes with Clementine. And I was like, but in the in the TV show, the, and in, in Keanu Reeves, he said John Constantine. You know, uh, Shia LaBeouf says it. I'm John Constantine. You know, but that, 
Yeah, but that's like the Shrewsbury and Shrewsbury. Oh, don't get me started on that. Yeah, I'm a Shrewsbury guy. I'm Absolutely. And then I spoke to Nigel Baker, shrew. who's like, then there's Scruggersburg. And I was like, what? <laughs> Yeah, but you know, Shakespeare, Taming of the Shrew. But we, we are, we, well, I don't argue about it, but we often have uh, conversations about um, scone and scone. 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 Says, you say scone, don't you? I say scone. I say, I say scone because G-O-N-E is gone. No, but there, S-C-O-N-E. there is a better reason for scone, because what's the fastest cake in the world? Scone. It scone. doesn't work scone. if it's scone. So you're, you've got to be wrong. Yeah, but I say scone because it irritates you. Oh, okay. Once you start eating it, it's scone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, we've um, we've done over an hour and a half. <gasps> I told oh, you I didn't stop. Yeah, talking. but no, this is great because this is a it's a, a really good feature episode, and I, this is an icebreaker for sure. I mean, we're definitely going to do a different one. And um, what I'd, I'd like to do is I'll open up to my to my listeners. Ryan, what would you like to talk about with Janie? Would you like to do um, a puppetry class, a couple of um, YouTube episodes, whatever you want to do? And if you have any questions for her, we'll, we'll collate them, collect them, and we'll, we'll ask, ask them. You know? Or we could do a song. Yeah. We could do we could do a mad song. For <laughs> so one of the first things Jane asked me this morning was, do you sing? And I was like, no. <laughs> she was like, you do now. Do now. <laughs> yeah. What would you like to see Alex do with a puppet oh well, yeah okay, just throw me in the firing line the... <laughs> <laughs> you want to do you want to do voices well then do voices we um... could do a quiz we could do a quiz we could do a quiz yeah. we could do a song we could do a, oh. a, a broom cupboard we can do like um, I, I know you see you're not like doing an improv but we can uh, there was a thing we did um, on horses and biscuits where I had a person um, their trait and a scenario Fantastic. So like, so it's a German guy and his trait is his camp and he's uh, introducing a, sh- a podcast. Hello, welcome to the podcast. Hello. You know, and then silly things like that. We could, I'd love that. We could, we could. Let's just see what happens. And then we'll have somebody that's impartial to us and judge us. <laughs> I don't. It depends if they're a puppeteer. No. I had this idea of um, with Sheree Gerard and, and Tat FB, the amazing artist, and I was like, let's go to a life drawing class. Not for the, oh, I can see her boobs or I can see his willy or whatever, yeah. but to have me, the guy who has never done art, never been to university, never learned these things, against genuine artists, geniuses, and see what the art looks like at the end and get people to, you know, get people to judge. Was that with drinking absence or anything? <laughs> no, just, just, just us being us. And Absolutely like, let's not sign them not sign them and then see oh, which one's the best that's a to really good idea yeah so the same with like me doing stuff with you I'm the untrained kind of like who's the best puppeteer a puppeteer off yeah a puppet off a puppet off a puppet off let's have a puppet off a puppet off I need to take you to puppet training school we've got to learn the alphabet and everything because I can't show this is you. my friend Al <laughs> my friend Al my mate Al <laughs> um, where can people like if somebody wanted to get like a a sort of an idea of what you work on and sort of what you've done where would people be able to find stuff is there a collection on youtube of stuff what voices you've done um at the moment if they tune into cbb's or iplayer they can watch love monster and they can enjoy that and i'm playing eager beaver (laughs) (laughs) um i am working on my website at the moment it Mm -hmm. will be launched in the new year so at the moment i cannot be found but if you search up Fun Song Factory, you can see plenty of little Harry um, singing and dancing with some fantastic presenters. Um, there's Love Monster. It's got a lot of information on IMDb, isn't there? Yeah, IMDb. If you Perfect. just Google my name, Jane Pickworth, you can see what I've worked on. And yes, but next year I will be launching myself because I've kind of been in hiding for 10 years. <laughs> well, no, being, being a mother. 
Yes, yes, that's being a mother. That's the, uh, mm-hmm. that's the thing, is isn't it? What about you, Tony? Is there a, like, have you got a lot of IMDb's or Wikipedia or something that people can sort of look at what you've worked on? Um, yeah, I think I think um, on IMDb. Um, yeah, you know what? I've never searched myself up. There's quite so a few you, Tony Reads. Uh, yeah. But yeah. if you yeah. type in Tony Reads CBeebies. Yeah, there's uh, information comes up there. Yeah. And is there anything you're working on that you're allowed to tell us about at the moment? Like yeah, yeah, yes, it's been it's been press release. I'm allowed to talk about it now. Um, it's a new show called Super Potato. Um, so as the title suggests, it's about a potato that has superpowers. Nice. Uh, and it's based on a really um, good best-selling book series by um, uh, Sue Hendra and Paul Lynette. Um, so we're we're just working on that at the moment. Wow, I was uh, bringing bring that to life, and it's a, it's, a, it's, here, a, no, it's a it's a book series that when I've gone into schools or, or met kids of the sort of preschool age range, they all know it. So and they all love it. So so yeah. So hopefully they'll love the cartoon as well. Nice. So we're making that at the moment. Fantastic. Well, thank you for welcoming me into your house. Where's Poppy gone, by the way? I have no idea. Oh, she's asleep. She's asleep over there. Thank you, Poppy, for for oh, behaving. Cat. Um, if you, if you, I'm gonna listen back to this. If you can't hear me playing with her whilst I'm recording, I'm a genius um, because I was playing with the dog. Um, thank you very much, guys. Thank very you, nice Alex. Speaking to you. Thank you for having us. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. Ah, bye. Ah.